Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Saturday, July 14th, and the time has come to execute episode 66. You're really proud of that, getting to do that with the episode. Now, I first thought of that at episode 30-something. Really? It's been in my mind. So you've been saving this. I've been saving it. Wow. Think if I had done the intro, I would have taken that from you. I know you would have. And you would have probably done the voice better. Now I I wish I had. Let me tell you what I remember about July 14th before we we get through all these introductions. Do you remember the movie Con Air with Nicolas Cage? Wasn't his daughter, his character's daughter's birthday July 14th? My birthday is on July 14th. I you think gotta, you're right. You just got to imagine John Malkovich reading it like that. Yeah. And then threatening to shoot her stuffed bunny rabbit. See, that's what I remember back in the glory days when action movies were full of real explosions and <laughs> adrenaline. And speaking of explosions and adrenaline, we have a special guest. So let's actually get her introduced. She is the creator of Womp. She is a master narrator. Sharing her journey across the pinball landscape with all of us on a week to week basis, a day to day basis, an episode to episode basis. She is a vocal sensation. Her pinball inspired songs have shaken social media to its very core. So we at the Eclectic Gamers podcast are pleased to welcome the audio sensation from Mrs. Penn's pinball podcast, Mrs. Penn. So Mrs. Penn, welcome. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing good. Sorry for the Con Air uh, slash uh, Star Wars diet. We can get yeah we, yeah we 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 can get slide off into movies so easy. We we intentionally avoid talking about movies for the most part because we could lose like three episodes into movies without even knowing it. It's okay. Sometimes you just have to go off on a tangent and embrace it, and just embrace it. You know, I mean, who knew July Fourteenth was going to be such an important day? I I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that a, a Christopher Franchi tip violation to go off on tangents? Um, possibly. I don't do you, know. I do I, you, I, say, I say embrace the tangent. Embrace okay. it. Well, I, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with your opinion on the matter. Not not some hexagon master. So so yeah. I, I, I what does okay. he know? Who knows? Well, I was just thinking, uh, well, thank you for coming on. First of all, we really, thank we really appreciate it. Me. I You're really welcome. enjoy your podcast. I think it's a lot of fun. And I was thinking, I've, you've already been on all the good podcasts. So now, now you've sunk to our level and we, we appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> so, I mean, head to head, slam tilt. And then I was thinking, people have not, other than the subscribers, haven't heard Mrs. Pin in a while. And then you're on the pinball players podcast with Jeff yeah. Parsons. It's just like, you're everywhere. The wamps, I, I don't know the wamps how it are happened. everywhere. I, I don't know. You you saw well. Go ahead for your intro. I guess kind of kind of explain how you how you chose to get into the hobby or get into podcasting. My understanding is it started with a sandwich and a dream. It was. It was a sandwich and a dream. My husband has always really loved pinball, and it's been something that I I like. I've always liked video games. Um, I I don't. I love games in general, board games, card games. I don't know. I think it's just fun stuff. But uh, Dr. Pin is has taken the love to a level of like crazy obsession. He is really into pinball. And so he kind of dragged me in kicking and screaming at first. And then once I got into the pinball world, uh, which was so random and just kind of like uh, I was going off on Dr. Pin because he was making me watch Jack Danger. And it was like a Friday night. And I was like, honey, we could be watching like 
a, you know, a, a beautiful movie or, or something on TV. And we were watching Jack Danger eating a pulled pork sandwich. And I just had a moment of like wifely frustration that has turned into this awesome, amazing thing. So who knew? It's crazy. And now you've exerted a, a sort of manifest destiny spreading across the entire <laughs> pinball countryside with what I think is uh, you've, you've come into it with uh, it's an interesting motivation that got you started. But what I think is fascinating is you're taking people on this journey of being a, a neophyte in the hobby and just showing the, from the jargon that we use to the terms that we don't explain to the concepts that are from asinine to maybe interesting, but convoluted and just right. I, I think exposing all of that to people going, you know what? No wonder people think we're weird. We're not, we don't explain because any we're of weird. this. Well, yeah, we are. We right? are weird. I mean, right, that's part right, of it, but, but it's nice to see that for once Stockholm syndrome actually worked well mm. and, and, and it actually turned out to be a good thing. <laughs> It has. Yeah. It's, it's wow. Kind of pretty awesome. <laughs> That's inspiring, Tony. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. You should well. make greeting cards, Tony. <laughs> oh, I should. That'd be great. Yeah. Like, you could have a whole line. <laughs> Hallmark Gaming. is based here in Kansas City. I mean, I could get a whole new job. Oh, my That's gosh. True. That's true. We're just a, we're a stone's throw away from the, the the love and heartbeat capital of, of every oh great i forgot to get you a present let's rush out and get something in the world look yes. here's a card with a five in it yeah, yeah. love you <laughs> oh, precious moments oh gosh well yeah it's been it has been like a crazy whirlwind gosh like six months maybe it's been about six months and it's been freaking awesome it really has it's it's been uh, Dr. Pin is like geeking out over the fact that he gets to meet all of these amazing pinball people and he helps me prep for everything and um, he just like freaking loves it. My kids love it. I love it. It's great. It's like family bonding. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, we, we hope we'll keep you entertained for the next little while with our, with our drivel, but uh, <laughs> But I like to go with shenanigans. Shenan I know you do, but I'm trying to use, do a little bit of the sourcing here and kind of give some breadth to our, we don't want to, we're not slam tilt. We're not going to just rely on oh my and, and, and reference George Decay every episode. We're going to vary it a little bit, but you will definitely at some point say this and that because you always do. A little this and that. It's, it's his catchphrase. It's his catchphrase. Trademark. I think my, mine is, you know, you know, you know. Yeah. You know, no, I don't think anyone knows. Hey, I I, at least I finally broke. I agree with you completely. That was a, yeah, that was right. real bad when we first started. Yeah. But then I realized that I don't agree with you at all, you let don't. alone completely. And the, and the listeners feed off of conflict. I, I've, lear <laughs> I've learned that from studying the better podcasts. So, <laughs> so that's what, that's what drives it in these multi-host scenarios. But before we get to the topics at hand, Tony, intro, what's been going on? I'm going to bring you on a saga. Oh, wow. A full-on saga. So we're going to jump back to December of 2017. So last December. Oh, I remember it well. He, I have I'm, no idea. I'm setting, I'm setting in the break room, eating from this nice, big, pretty tin of Topsy's popcorn. Topsy's. Because oh, yeah. it's very, a beautiful, overly sweet. beautiful thing that happens that time of year for whatever reason. I don't know why people give popcorn around Christmas, but that's what it does. 
and I found a kernel. An unpopped kernel in my popcorn. And how did I find that unpopped kernel? Because it shattered one of my teeth. Ow. Ooh. And then, being the dentist-hating person that I am, did I go to the dentist and get it looked at and fixed then? Yes. When it didn't hurt and it didn't bother me and there was nothing but a little bit of sharpness? You did, and the story's now over. Yeah, you wish. No, I ignored it. I ignored Tony. it completely. Uh, Tony. Fail. Mrs. Penn so. even agrees that this was a mistake. But continue. All right. Oh, I, I agree it was a mistake. The okay. massive pain that I spent the last mm. like week and a half in from the infection that eventually set into it uh, helped me agree that it was a massive mistake. Hmm. And um, I ended up going to the dentist this week. And great news. I'm going Thursday to get a root canal. Oh. So... Oh, yay. Exciting. It's so exciting. That's mm-hmm. my life. I get a bloody root canal. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tony. I hope it's not actually bloody, but I don't, I've never had a root canal. I know when my parents had root canals, like when I was a kid, everyone talked about how bad it hurt. And I've heard people who say, oh yeah, root canals are horrible. And I've had people say, I had one and it was fine. It was whatever. So I, I don't know. But, they give you Novocaine. That's what this, this is what like good drugs are for, Tony. I'm hoping for really, really, really good drugs. And if it could be like the good stuff, like yes. where they're like, we're going to give you some drugs. And then I wake up and go, okay, when are we going to start this? And they're like, oh, you're done. That's what I would prefer. I want it yeah. to be like my my back surgery when I had my back surgery. And they're like, start counting backwards from 100. And then I wake up laying in another room in different clothes. That's what I want. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's, a little, a, that's a little frightening in and of yeah. itself, Tony. Yeah, it That's- was, it was, all I know is when I, I, the surgical gown I put on was like bluish and the one I woke up in was green. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe, hmm. maybe you just lost the ability to see certain shades of color. It could maybe be. you I, did. Yes, my back surgery made me colorblind. Yeah. That explains a lot. Just a blue though. It's perfect. But that's all I've got going in my life is, is, is pain. I'm actually good. Pain-wise, the pain's gone because I've been on antibiotics and that horrible mouth rinse stuff that you use, Ooh. that they tell you to use, and then, like, don't drink water or eat for a while because it'll just make everything worse. I'm actually doing pretty good right now. No pain at all. It's just mm. waiting it's a for pain. the... Yeah. Wow. It's annoying. Yeah. Okay. Well. Don't, hang in there, Don't Tony. ignore the dentist, yeah. kids. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. Don't ignore going to the dentist. Yeah. Don't the dentist is our friend. Watch out for popcorn kernels. That's but right. Yeah, I you know I haven't had popcorn since. No. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. That would scar Not with me a cracked too. tooth. Yeah, chocolates only now. Just gotta mm-hmm. shift. That's another common Christmas item is chocolates. That's what people bring where I work is chocolate. They don't fruit ever cake. Do. No, I don't do fruit. No one does fruit cake. I know. That's made up. That's a made up thing. <laughs> I think it is too. Well, um, let's see. I have a correction I have to make from the last episode. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a correction on my correction from the oh E3 episode. So apparently my correction on Tales of Vesperia, the video game that's getting released, I said that it was uh, Japan only content was D- that it was a DLC thing. No, it was not. It was a full retail release. Uh, and I don't want to ever talk about Vesperia again. No one cares about this game. So, but apparently they care enough to keep correcting me. So. That game was a big deal a lot of years ago. I guess so. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Other than that, I have, uh, oh, I bought a new pinball machine. So that's what I did. Um, <laughs> like I just, oh, and I bought a new pinball machine. Yeah, Whatever. that's well, way better cares. than going to get a root canal. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was. I, I've 
Yeah. Buying experiences aren't always pleasant. This one went, went fine. It was very odd. Uh, I was told about the machine on the 4th of July. So I looked at it and the ad and the price was way too high. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get this person down enough to where this machine would actually trade at. Uh, the photos were terrible. I, from what there were, I could tell there was playfield wear and I thought, okay. And so I, I but let me throw out an offer because I've, I've been watching for it for a while and they don't come up very much. So email the guy. I hear back and he's like, well, there, he said there wasn't anywhere. I was like, um, there is where because I see your photo and I'm not an idiot. So I decided, well, he might not know very much about pinball machines. He's probably not aware of what he's, what I'm looking for. So anyway, I gave him my offer, which was several hundred dollars less than what he listed. And he said, well, if I were to come and look at the machine, he would be willing to negotiate on the price. And I was like, no, we're, that's not how I do it. So I wrote him back and I said, well, no, this is the maximum I'm willing to go for you. Here's my offer. So what I suggest is you just keep your ad up, see if you get anyone to buy it at the amount you want. And if you can't sell it, then you can come back to me and I'll probably still be interested. And we'll just leave it at that. Cause I'm out at the lake. I have terrible phone reception. I'm like, I'm not playing, I'm not playing a game here. So, you know, you have my offer. That's what you can work with. Uh, and he wrote me back within an hour. He's like, your offer's okay. Can, <laughs> can, when can you come and get the, and I'm like, okay. So I, I arranged for it. I had the fifth off. So I went out there. It was only about an hour out. Uh, I showed him what I meant by the wear. It had the wear, but the game worked fine. Uh, so it's a, it's a premiere title called Hoops. And I had it in the garage for the last couple of weeks because while the game worked, it needed, it was missing a couple of resistors controlling some of the flasher lights and stuff. So it's just easier for me to work on them in the garage. So I finally, uh, got it into the game lineup yesterday. So it's there and I'm hosting a party here later after this, uh, after we finish recording, actually. So people will get a chance to try it out, but my experiments say it's working. So, uh, that was one of the Knock few on games wood. on my, yes, yes. <laughs> Knock on the, on the cat. The cabinet was in pretty good shape. The play field, uh, you know, it, uh, it's all right. I just, it clearly had never been waxed in its entire life. And had quite a few plays for a premiere, which Gottlieb's, you know, a lot of times you can find them in decent shape because no one liked them. But ah. Hoops, Hoops is one I was always hearing good things about. So I was like, okay, it's on the wish list. Um, one of the street level series. So last of them, actually, um, which I, I had some fondness for learning about a while ago when I picked up a silver slugger. So that's what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Well, so, geez, guys, you've been busy. Yeah, busy. Mine was less painful. Yes, definitely. So speaking of pain, let's go into the news segment, which is not going to be painful because there are really only three news items and only one of which is in, at all remotely painful to talk about. But we're <laughs> going to start with an easy one. And that is, this came out last week, but uh, CPR, Classic Playfield Reproductions, they've gone to digital printing. Yay. Which means you don't have to wait for a sizable run anymore for them to screen print a bunch of whatever plastics, play fields. They, they do a lot of that stuff. Now, Mrs. Penn, I know you guys have several pinball machines. Do you, are any of yours like more players grade or project quality where you've been wanting replacement plastics or a new play field or anything? 
No, you know, I there's a, a bit of wear on the play fields. I think it's pretty normal, but it is nothing that a little elbow grease and some play field wax hasn't, you know, basically fixed up. So we, we don't need any new plastics. Most of them were in really good shape when we bought them, luckily. So yeah, we haven't had that issue, but I, I saw this on our list of things to chat about today. And I honestly had never even heard of CPR other than like, you know, mouth to mouth resuscitation. Mm -hmm. Very useful. uh, You know, I just I think it's awesome now because I feel like home some of the homebrew games that people do especially are so great. And it's got to be so hard to get all the plastic pieces that you want because, you know, printing is so ridiculously expensive. So I think this is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I like it for, for two reasons. That first, the homebrew thing, that's a really good one to bring up because it's a lot of people just don't have the capabilities to print plastics. You can, right. you go in your garage, you can draw on a, you can use CAD software and come up with your, your play field layout. You can foam core the thing and, and build it all out. But when it starts coming to applying art to things, most people don't have access to that equipment. So. Right. Them being able to do a, a true one-off like that and just say, here, here's my custom. I'm making mi- like someone's doing minions pinball and go and get your minions plastics made by CPR now. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's really good. The other thing that I've run into a little bit is on project games. I'm usually, I'm fine with project game. If it, if it plays well, I don't care if the art has, you know, wear on it and stuff. Uh, we just wax it and, and I'm good to go. Right. But, like for example, I have a firepower and every plastic, every plastic is broken. Oh, they're covered in glue and all that. And that's how I got it. Now I got it real cheap. It plays fine. So I like the game, but I would be tempted to get a firepower plastic set, but I never had the option to do it easily because they had done that run years before I owned the game. And they they sit and they create these lists. I used to own a Xenon. And I remember when I was selling Xenon, well, the discussion points, people were like, oh, you might be able to get some interest in this because CPR is planning to run Xenon play fields. And mine had a lot of wear on it. And I was like, okay, but how long would I have to wait before the Xenon? Play? I think I would have had to wait at least a year if I had held the game and, and done that myself. Right. So I did not do it. <laughs> And not to mention that a playfield swap is incredibly time consuming. So uh, anyway, yeah, I just thought it was really, really neat because I think this is going to finally let people start getting access to a lot of things, especially if you're doing the homebrew, like Mrs. Penn brought up, or yes. if you've got some of the rarer stuff uh, where they, I mean, if they're waiting and wanting to do playfield runs in at least 100 quantities, oh, well, that works fine for Xenon and Firepower, which had over 10,000 units, but it doesn't work so well if you needed a new play field for a sharky shootout, for right. example, which had less than a thousand. It's just not enough demand. How many of them are trashed and how many yeah, that's yeah. what it ran into. So the digital printing will solve a lot of that. So I think it's really exciting news. The future is amazing. The future is. is now, Tony. It's now. So are you going to replace all your plastics on firepower? I'm thinking about it. The problem is historically the, the plastic sets are. I'm such a cheapskate and you know that they're like 120 some dollars. And I'm just like, for plastics, come on. I could cut these out of, I couldn't. Yeah, so <laughs> I might, I, might I, I have to decide because my, my, you know, that's not going to fix my firepower play field, which is a beater. Right. Uh, it's not totally worn away because someone full mylar it, but it's, 
Yeah, this is something I have to. So is it something you might hold off until you decide that you're going to go ahead and get a new, a new, a whole new play field and you're just going to do a complete Uh, rebuild? I don't know. I like the play field. I might just put it on a birthday gift list and see if someone's a sucker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, someone loves me. We'll see. It's a good idea for a birthday gift. Yeah. Um, yeah, Especially Tony, you need to up your you up your budget. I don't me. know if I'm gonna. I, yeah. I don't know. Think if of I'm it. Gonna... Think of those plastics. I could have plastics. You could have plastics. That's true. Plastics make it possible. Plastics. Hmm. They're the future too. Well, let's talk about something that is not the future, uh, though it so desperately wishes it would be. This is our this is our negative news topic. This is that the Seattle 7 has launched their GoFundMe campaign to pay for Dutch Pinball's legal fees. Now, Mrs. Penn, I haven't really heard on your show you discuss Dutch Pinball much, so I wanted to sort of start with seeing just what what you know about them. Well, I mean, I know that they're uh, legit. I think that I know a little bit more than I say that I know on my podcast. Good. I have learned a lot since starting this whole thing. So I know that basically... Dutch pinball, they just have, man, they are just digging a hole and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. I feel like they've just hit a bunch of snags when they were actually trying to produce games and they just had all kinds of issues and then they stopped even attempting it and now they're being sued because of the place where they initially were going to manufacture it or some kind of craziness like that. Am I sort of on the right track? Yeah, that's all correct to my understanding. Yeah. So, uh, and and now I don't know who these uh, crazy Seattle 7 people are, but it seems like, um, you know, it's very, very interesting that that someone might have come up with a GoFundMe campaign for their legal costs. That's that's very interesting. I, I like your choice of words. I like uh, the use of the word interesting, especially when you preceded it by calling the Seattle 7 crazy. So I, I, <laughs> I, have, a, I have a good sense as to where you lean on this strategy. Tony, I would like to know where you lean on this strategy. Now, you've been fairly negative on Dutch Pinball for quite a while, Tony. I think that's I'm being fair. You're being very fair. And I, here's my I thought on it. Anybody who backs this is an idiot. Whoa. I have strong to agree, take. Tony. Whoa, double strong take. I mean, I'm sorry. They're, the, the, this company is DOA. They are done. I mean, this is dead pinball walking here. Nothing you're going to do is going to help it. Nothing you're going to do is save it. All you're going to do is throw good money after bad. People got screwed. That's all it is. It's and sad. They're not getting anything back. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. I feel bad. I always feel bad when you hear about this, but for some reason, this is pinball. You hear about this a lot. I, know. I got I burned. Feel... Go ahead. Sorry, Tony. I, uh, I feel bad for the people who, I, maybe they just didn't know enough, but I feel like it's, you know, why would you put money out there for something that you know, is so elusive. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel bad for the company at all, but no. I do feel bad for the people who, who got duped, you know? I, I agree with you. Now I would like, and I know there's no way that I'm ever going to really find this out, but I would like to know. I want to know how many Zidware people got burned by Dutch and by highway and how many of the people who got burned once got, got, got burned on Predator? I want to know, are there people who've been burned more than one time? That's what I want to know. Well, and if there are, I would like to ask them, who hurt you? 
<laughs> what happened? Apparently, the all these companies have hurt them. I, I've seen people online on, say, like Pinside in particular, who have who have publicly stated that they've been burned. At least, not, maybe not on all these projects, but on multiples, like Zidware plus Dutch or Highway plus Predator. Yeah, so. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I, I I don't know. If you get burned once, okay, all right. You know, I understand. It's like things can happen. Maybe you were in like a gullible moment, but. Once you get burned once, why the heck would you make or take a risk and potentially get burned twice? That's crazy. Well, I think for in some of these cases, the money probably all went out before any of these formally failed. So right. it was sort of right. a, well, I went in on X, Y, and Z, and X failed before Y, and Y right. failed before Z, but all my money was out before even X failed. So, right. But then that also just brings back the whole thing is 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 – if any of those had failed before, why did you keep? I'm, I'm not a big fan of pre-orders of anything on this scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I will pre-order other stuff. I pre-order books. I pre-order. I'll pre-order games on occasion. Not like I used to, though. I just can't. I've had I've had too many pre-ordered games that turn bad, like video games and, right, and right. board games, and that's a lot smaller money. I yeah. mean, I, and like like we talked before. I mean, I I, I got I, I got screwed in that Robotech pre order uh, Kickstarter deal, and I've been real gun shy with Kickstarter because of it. I mean, I've supported more large Kickstarters since then, but they were very specifically targeted things where I knew what was going in. I was expecting certain things out of it, and I've gotten those things out of it. And I've been happy with with all of them, but I just can't imagine still putting down that kind of money and getting burned and then doing it and getting burned again. I mean, how gun shy would that make you to the point where I'm surprised anybody with how often it's happened in pinball still pre-orders any pinball machine from anybody whose name isn't stern. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I think you both have good points. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know on the motive. I've seen two types. To me, there are two types of motivations that I've seen that drive people that have done this sort of activity. One is there are some people that are almost obsessed with helping boutique manufacturers. And I don't know if they just hate Stern with a passion or they just want to see more competition or they just like the idea of helping out the little guy at the start. And, but I, and this is driven, I don't think this is the majority of these buyers, but it's been something that I've seen before where it just seems like some people are so desperate to see something other than stern pinball that right. they will put money into anything that says it's someone else. Yeah. The other, and I think more likely instance is I blame Big Big Bar for all of this. Obviously not all of it because I just gave you my other example, but that's what I, co- I, I go back to. The remake of Big Bang Bar where people got in on that project and then they got games that at the time was like an absurdly high amount. And I, and by that, I don't remember what he asked for 4,500 back yeah. in the day. And then now you've got machines that are easily worth over $15,000, generally between 20 and 30,000. And so everyone sees the, every time there's a startup that's going to do, especially a limited run, it's payday time. Now that's a very valid point. And it is. 
you see it. You see people flipping, especially flipping LEs. Oh, sure. And, 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 and doing the like where they'll just get their positions and they'll, they'll, you see people flipping their positions without having done more than pay the minimums. Sure. And it, it's, I don't know. I guess I can't, I can't understand the people who purchase it like they're buying a stock or they're buying commodities. Uh, to me, it's like the people who are stock, who stockpile gold. I got to have my gold. Oh yeah, I've got gold. When the economy collapses, I've got all this gold stockpiled. So suddenly I'm rich. I don't, I don't understand the, 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 the reasoning. I mean, I understand the reasoning. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get buying something with the express purpose of flipping it. Well, it may not be in all these cases explicitly about the desire to flip and make money. It's well, the yeah. idea of having something that's worth that much. Yeah. So from like a collector standpoint, the idea of, wow, I don't just collect pinball machines, which as we know are pretty pricey toys. Yes. I've got a pinball machine that's worth five of your machines. I've got a pinball machine that could buy you not just like a car, like what Dennis drives, but a, like a Mercedes car. Fancy a car where you say by its name and not just yeah the name of the of the make. Let's actually name it. Name this car Cobra. Cobra. <laughs> I think. Cobra I mean, impression. do you ever think though that that pinball buying pinball machines is kind of like gambling, right? Um, because you know you there is a chance that oh my gosh Dutch pinball came out and there is a chance that they are going to make an incredible game. And that everything is going to work out. The stars are going to align and these machines are going to be beautiful. And you are willing to take the risk in this slight chance that you might actually get a machine. I mean, I guess that to big collectors, that could be motivation too. Just knowing that there's a chance that it might all work out. I mean, clearly I can't afford to do that. But I mean, maybe some people can. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think that, and Tony and I on some past episodes have discussed this, uh, sunk cost sort of fallacy that they, a lot of people clearly, I think when you see them discussing it narratively, uh, on the forums have, at least some of them, they just, they can't let it go. They don't, but they don't want to fight for their money back. They, they envision that since Dutch isn't folded on paper, it's not highway. They haven't liquidated that. There maybe there's some path. They're so desperate to find some path, and that's what I think the Seattle Seven is trying to do. Because from all reports that I've seen, Dutch Pinball is not affiliated directly with the Seattle Seven. They've promoted the notion of the GoFundMe oh, of course in a prior newsletter. People want to give us free money. All right, I'm all for this. Right. You know what? If you want to give me free money, you can give me free money too. I'm not going to complain about it. Well, the the GoFundMe's ask is five hundred thousand euros. That's the campaign target. Wow. That's a uh, lot of money. Wow. Now, and when you look back at some prior pinball efforts, be they GoFundMe, which is less common, or Kickstarter, like the Stern book that they did, the photo book that still hasn't been released, and there was a couple other kids, nothing has come close to this amount. I mean, this, right. and this isn't to build the machines. This is just for lawyer costs, right? Well, I think the way they described it is it's to do the lawyer costs and build the machines. And, mm. and kickstart production, I think, was how it was described. So, so for for the most of it, it's definitely been oriented around, in my view, the, the legal fees because that's where they had this whole video that 
have either of you seen the video? No, no, no. Okay. I, I didn't watch right. it. There is a video. I, I don't want to encourage you to see it, but maybe I should because it's, it's such an abomination. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. It's, it's so weird. It's long. It's several minutes long and they're just going and they're doing it up like the movie. So we're like watching the big Lebowski, but they're doing these voiceovers with all these. They show some clips from the, from the, uh, from the pinball machine. And then they go through and there's the rest of it is just clips from the movie. And they, they go about talking on just, they're calling Aura, which is the first contract manufacturer that Mrs. Pin referenced that they have the dispute with that sued them. Bunch of nihilists, which is a reference from the movie. It's, it's, it's tacky. It's really tacky. It, it, it is. It's truly horrible. And when you go through and you see it, one of the other things that they do, they talk about it in the video, but it's also in the write up on the GoFundMe page, which I just had to pull up, which is kind of why I was rambling a little bit in those <laughs> descriptions, uh, was that they are also indicating that they've got a bunch of stuff that they're raffling, or excuse me, uh, that they're doing a, a drawing sweepstakes. So people who give at least 20 pounds or more have a chance of winning one of, let's see what it says here, 15 of the dude's cars. The little, uh, his vehicle from the movie, that was like a matchbox size car. That's a toy in the pinball machine. Uh, one of 10 translites or and this is spelled out more in the video. Anyone, I guess, who, if they reach their goal, they will raffle off amongst those who bid or excuse me, contributed a big Lebowski pinball machine. Do they already have the pinball machine or is this one of these or, ones that will be magically I, made off? I of this they might works. have the legs. Totally. I they might have the legs done. You know what I mean? So let me say what my, what my problem, aside from that, I, I agree with both of you. So we'll make it a three X bonus that anyone who gives money to this is making a tremendous mistake with their money and probably their life. Uh, ah. this is GoFundMe's user agreement clearly, clearly states that you cannot run a sweepstakes or a raffle with GoFundMe. It is not allowed. And I know for a fact that this campaign has been reported to GoFundMe for violating their user agreement. Because you did it. I I have no comment. <laughs> I know for a fact it has been reported. That campaign is still up. But I did per I what I will say is I did go and I read their user agreement and they do not want to be involved with anything that is gambling. And the only in the United States where I believe GoFundMe is based, it doesn't matter. It's in their user agreement in the United States. Only a charity can run a raffle or an official gambling entity like a, a lottery. But they don't even want to be involved with the sweepstakes, which, you know, any person, Tony and I have done sweepstakes for the podcast before. Uh, and I've work really hard to make sure when we do them, we follow all of the rules because there are a lot of rules involving that stuff. Even when you're dealing with cheap things like t-shirts, they GoFundMe do not want any of that. It's really, it's clearly articulated. So I'm a bit surprised they even got to open the campaign up, but I imagine it probably is on a report by report basis. So I don't even think this is going to run the whole period of time because to me, it looks like it's egregiously in violation of the rules. Now they could have just pulled that part out and put the campaign back up. Yeah. And then I think you have a legitimate campaign that no one in their right mind would give money to. But uh, these people are already not in their right mind. Well, so far as of our recording right now, they have raised 550 euros of their 500,000 euro goal. They're getting there. That, that's right. And other than one person, they've had 10 donations and nine of them have been anonymous. Hmm. Very peculiar. 
So that's the it's the Seattle Seven. They've had ten donations, nine of them anonymous. Right. Well, I, I, for me, the anonymity is just that most people would be ashamed to have their name associated with it. They know this is, <laughs> they know this is wrong. They know it's wrong. Uh, and in terms of Seattle seven, that is a, that's a term from the movie. I, so that being, at first I would have thought, are these seven people based in Seattle? Seattle loves their pinball machines. It, and then I realized it was, it's been so long since I've seen the movie. I didn't, it didn't click with me. Uh, but. That's what's driving. I don't know how many people are involved in the Seattle. So I get it. It's a bunch of people, early achievers, as they're called, people who pre-ordered the game, who really want to see the game built. They'll never reach this goal. No. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah, and, no, they won't. To run such a tacky campaign, it's just – I mean, maybe if your name's not on it, you're not as embarrassed, but I would be embarrassed. Now, as I recall, now, I've not – I've never GoFund done anything with GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I recall, unlike Kickstarter with GoFundMe, you don't have to hit the goal. The money still goes. You might only make $15 out of your, your $34 million attempt to build your own aircraft carrier. Uh, but you'll still get that $15 even though you didn't hit your goal amount. Where with Kickstarter, if you don't hit your goal amount, no money changes hands. I, I believe you're correct. Yeah, it's I do just, too. Uh, GoFundMe's I, I associate it with ch- almost charity drives for non-charity. So a right. like, person loses their house or possessions in a flood. You can use GoFundMe to do a fundraiser for them. They're not a 501c3. Right. So they're not. But that's also why GoFundMe doesn't want things like raffles associated with their service because that right. gets them in a whole heap of legal trouble because you're doing this for a for-profit company in this case. And that's okay. It's dumb, but it's okay. I mean, illegally, it's okay. If you think that this is if this is what you've come to, is that you're hoping these pre-order people are hoping that they're going to appeal to the better angels of the hobby no. to and from the discussions I've read the thought isn't even that it's the pinball community that will save this project it will be fans cult following fans of the movie the big lebowski will see this and donate to save the project associated with the movie they love i that makes no sense i still don't see how you raise over half a million dollars doing this no way and if that's I'm what they need, they raised five hundred dollars doing this. Yeah, well, two, two. There were two contributors that did over a hundred, that did a hundred or more pounds each. So most of oh, that is from driven. two people. Yes, it's, it's okay. probably from people trying to you know sprinkle in some of that, putting their money where their mouth is. At least I'm Just assuming they're part of the Seattle sprinkle. Seven. Yeah, they're doing a little, the little, little money sprinkle, little, 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 little making, making it rain. We'll throw a little money in. People coming, well, making it drizzle. In. Let's not let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> making it. Drizzle. It's true. Sprinkle. It's a sprinkle. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Uh, I do not have a link to the GoFundMe in the show notes because I think this is a bad idea. Yeah. So I'm not no. encouraging it. Don't. You can find it if for whatever reason you actually want to support this. You can find it. But we think you're wrong. And um, if you need somebody to talk to, we'll, we're more than willing to listen. You could, We've got lots of places you can reach us online. We, we, we can tell you how sure. wrong you are. Sure. It's... I, if you want, it's like one eight hundred pin sanity. Yeah, except I don't want to talk to anyone verbally. Uh, and help. I'm not. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not. I can't. I got enough problems. I can't be fixing yours. Uh, you just gotta. You just gotta accept or be punitive with Dutch while you still have a chance. Yeah, I've, I've seen someone again. I've not confirmed it. I've seen others say that they contacted one person online said they contacted Universal, which released the movie, and that Universal is not okay with the GoFundMe, and that the Dutch, the Big Lebowski license is. Expired. Expired. So they don't even have the legal right to make it anymore, if that is true. It's oh. a hot mess. And really, 
I would find it very suspect that the license would still be in play. I would think late because production was going on in 2016. How long did they have the license for? Even if it kicked in at the start of production, they did have production with Ara in 2016. So that clock started. And I don't think Roger Sharp got paid more money to go and renegotiate this. Why would you bother? If you want to think that there are two ways to get a big Lebowski in my view. One, you either get one of the already existing models and you pay out the nose to get it. And you can be a super special person because you obtain practically unobtainium and be proud of yourself. Or you can, I think saving Dutch is so far fetched. It would be more realistic to put all of your eggs in the basket of hoping some other manufacturer takes the design after this, after this company is liquidated and builds the machine for you. I don't think any manufacturer will do it, but in theory, it's possible. Hey, maybe Deep Root would. I don't well, know. Well, and here's just a drawing it out there thought that as I recall, there were supposed to be like 40 completed machines that Ara was holding on to. Yeah, some, that's the so most people after are. all the lawsuits and everything are done, that means there's at least 40 machines that are that would eventually be up for grabs because I'm sure Ara would try to recoup their losses if they didn't get them anywhere else just by selling them off themselves. Yeah, assuming they'll, they'll be assuming they're legally allowed to sell them, then yeah, that's I assume that, they would hit the or market. they can put a video on YouTube and it's them piling 40 machines together and dousing them with gasoline and flipping a road fire oh, into Tony. it. Oh my god! At least part them out. That would be hilarious. Let's take those coils and sell them on eBay. I mean, I'm a monster. I understand I'm a monster, but but watching the bid, the flames lick up uh, the side of the machines is all those people. I mean, I'm sorry. I feel terrible. I think that would be horrible. But that that, that you don't sound like the same part of you. Don't sound sorry, Tony. The same part of you that enjoys going and watching a horror film at the same time mm. just kind of, it's kind of like. <laughs> I don't know. The hobbyists, a lot of them got really mad when Todd Tucky threw a very unpopular game off of the roof of his building years ago oh, and filmed it on YouTube. That. There are still people who are mad at him for destroying a game, even if it was a hated game. That's a valid point. And this, it is. a lot of people say Big Lebowski plays pretty well, if you can find one that's working. So, right. And that makes it sting a little more for a lot of them because they, it's, cause it's not like Predator, which everyone said was a turd. Right. This was a, it had a lot of cool stuff in it. I remember when we saw it, uh, and you loved the translite. I was real for it. I almost bought the translite. Yeah. Because yeah. I love the translite. But... I'm, I'm a big fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When you mess up, you mess up. And I just wish, I kind of wish more pinball companies would just fess up a little faster when they screw up. Yeah. Just be like, okay, we are bad a bit. We're bad businessmen. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. Here, we'll refund as much as we can and live and learn. I I wouldn't hold it against them if they paid people what they could, pennies on the dollar, and gotten out of it. But no one can seem to do it. J-pop they couldn't do it. They wait till the better end. Yep. Kevin Kulik couldn't do it. Of course, he was doing a lot of illegal stuff with Skippy and Predator. And yeah. Then, and now Dutch can't do it. It's sad. So let's move to a happier final Happy news item. Topic. All right. So Guys, th- before you move yes. on, I just have one last thing to say about this whole Dutch pinball debacle. Mike, Mike, drop it for us, Mrs. Penn. I'm going to mic drop it. So yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, I've I've grown in popularity over the last six months. And, You're a superstar. Um, I actually, I have an we insider heard. at Dutch Pinball. Really? I don't know if you know this. I do. I do not. And, you know, they, this, this person, my, you know, confidant. Spy. Has, uh, has basically come to me and, and just really just unloaded 
there's a lot of stuff going on. It's got to be a tough time to work there. And uh, they confided in me who the mysterious Seattle 7 actually are. So oh. I, don't, I don't know if you guys can handle this. It's an exclusive. Don't we, fall we, over. Okay? We, take so, a, we take anything we can get. I understand. I understand. That's how I am, too. So, you know, the first two people in the Seattle 7 are actually Barry and Yacht themselves. Oh, so you they know, are affiliated. I I hate to say it, but it's getting shady. I mean, the, the owners of Dutch Pinball really want to just keep making pinball machines. You can't really blame them. You know what I mean? No, I, mean, I get I, that they're passionate. They're well known in the Dutch uh, pinball community. They really are. And with a name like Yop, you got to put it out there, you know? Yop. So mm-hmm. they're the first two. And then the third, guys, you're not even going to believe this. It's the CEO of Zytec China. Because he really, oh. really wants to get paid. Okay. The other company, what are they called again? I'm sorry. It, Ara. 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 Some people say A-R-A, but it, it is pronounced Ara, according to the Dutch. It's So, you know, Ara is going to take all of Dutch pinball's money. And if Zytec China doesn't get, you know, if they don't get the money to pay the lawyers, Zytec China is out of luck. So they're that the makes- third one. That makes sense because they've been building prototypes. So they yeah. have, they have capital invested at this point. They seriously do. They seriously do. The fourth, fourth member of the Seattle seven is actually Andrew Highway. And, uh. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Wow. Come, come on, Mrs. Penn. I'm not even you can't, I'm you not can't, even you can't do this to us. Nope. So this is just, so, this is just like, a, is, is, is Kevin Kulik one of them? The, is, yeah, is, is he part of it? I mean, the I master mean, of the hydrofoil. Is Bigfoot? Are we looking at Bigfoot now? He thought about it, but he didn't do it. He didn't. You know, Andrew okay. Highway, though, his company went under right. and it was official, right? So, you know, he's got to help out his brothers. And, uh, you know, he just he just wants somebody to contribute. He didn't contribute himself, but he just wanted everybody else to contribute. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So okay, that well. that's number, let's see, what are we at? One, two, three, four. That was number four. So, And in there also is Pinside Petey. You know that he's like the Illuminati of the pinball world. He's got his <laughs> hands in everything, guys. He's you know he's one of those seven people. And the last of the seven is the Easter Bunny. You know? <laughs> I mean, sure. he's he's seriously elusive and fan- he's like a phantom, just like these Seattle Seven. So he's got to be thrown in there as well. I mean, I don't want to say any- I didn't want to say anything, but I felt like you guys are real special people to me, and I thought you could use the, you know, the mind blowing exclusive. About, about the Seattle Seven. Well, you really had me going for yeah. quite a while, so I give you kudos. <laughs> that that was solid. I, 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 that was really solid. And, uh, and, I seriously, I thought I it, I got to Andrew Highway, and I was like, I don't know if they're buying this. For I was real? I, for the I first was. three. The first three, I was full on in because and they I, made so much sense, right? Yes, because I good. honestly think that in the back of my head. That's right. You know, you know, you're probably the first guest to come on here who actually made us look stupid. No, there I'm you go, sure guys. Not. That's what I'm for. Because you know what? Honestly, I lo- I know so little about gaming that ah, man, I, the fact that I could turn it around on you guys it makes me feel so so like no, warm it's and awesome. fuzzy. Yeah, for like awesome. three seconds. I want. And now we're back to our normal roles. But I you know. want to be tricked. I want to be it was, smarted. Yeah. That's the point. That's the point. We we need rivals. We need we need serious challenges. Oh gosh, and you I don't threw know the gauntlet can, I, down. That was awesome. Down. I can't compete. I can't compete. 
Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> Moving right. Moving so, on. Yes. Oh, now after that, after you had my hopes, oh, the exclusive. Oh, I was just so thinking we're gonna have dozens of listeners for that. Oh, yes, I don't know anybody. Oh, I don't. I mean, that's not true. <laughs> yes, I know you do. People, but you like, know, you know, uh, bare naked, bare naked ladies, and uh, and Jack Danger, and and other people. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know, guys. George Gomez. I, I got no street cred except in my own house. Oh, well, that's better than me. <sighs> you have a whole half of your own house. Uh, a I, whole half. Yes, yes, we have. I have the. That's that's that that's Daddy's half of the house. I have a corner of that half of the house. The rest of it's full of mommy's stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Baby Listen, steps. happy wife, happy life. Yeah, yeah. I, well, there, that is part of the reason that we record in person, not mm. just because. It is easier to play off each other, uh, uh, in my personal opinion. Also, it, it brings down the, the, the wife aggro level quite a lot because I'm not recording in my half of the house, which happens to be where the kitchen and dining room and all that is. Mm. So logistical challenge. It's a logistical challenge. One that you're tackling beautifully. See? Yeah. yeah. Problem you're on solving. Top of it. Exactly. That's right. There you go. It's good. Well, I'm afraid our last news item won't be nearly as exciting as our speculations on the Seattle Seven. But uh, this week in pinball ran a guide on pinball manufacturers, a beginner's guide. That's right. A link in the it. show notes. Well, that's, I haven't read it. You haven't read? Oh my, Tony! Fail, Tony! Fail, Tony! I worked so hard. I meant to read it this morning, but right. I went for a walk, and then you we were dealing with stuff at home, and and then dealing I was stuff at home, and then and then broke and your then, tooth. No, that was that was a while back, and Hurt then I full on. I showed up to record the episode two hours early because <laughs> oh, yeah. I completely, I, I spaced out. And when I sent a message about it to my wife, my wife's like, "Yeah, you told me that the that the that you guys were going to start at that time." I'm like, "Well, why didn't you tell me that before I left the house two hours early today?" Because for some reason, I thought it was the same time we'd started the last time we did an early <laughs> recording. Yeah, T- Tony's Tony's oldest daughter's hanging out in my game room right now. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So the, uh, anyway, so yeah, the only reason I'm mentioning this one is I wrote it. So it gets to get plugged <laughs> at least on one podcast. Uh, and yeah, so Jeff with this week in pinball actually approached me about doing a, another piece. I did one a, a while ago on growth in the hobby and he's wanted a number of guides and most of them I don't feel qualified to do, but I've done a lot of research on manufacturing. So. I was okay with that and I kind of constrained it to, to the solid state era or as Mrs. Penn refers to them on her, on her show, uh, the superstar machines, the more modern machines. That's right. And so I kind of did the year 2000 plus to hit who's in the play right now, much like, you know, Dutch pinball, Stern, all that. And then I did major manufacturers from the start of that solid state era. So mid seventies to 2000. So your Bally, your Williams, your Gottlieb. And then I also did a number of minor manufacturers that I th- Felt you had an okay chance of seeing at a show like Zacharia, yeah, or uh, Game Plan, yeah. things like that. So I, I, I don't know how it's gone or not. I've looked online; it got shared quite a bit. Their comments have mostly been criticisms of either. Uh, why did you mention this super minor thing? It's way too minor. Or why didn't you mention this other super minor thing? Because I like this one. <laughs> so, like, I, I saw someone say, "Where's Sonic? Where's Taito?" And then someone else was, why is Zacharia and Playmatic on this list? <laughs> so you, just, you never know. You can't please everyone, but. Uh, Hater's going to hate. Yeah, but I think I, I kept it pretty easy to understand. And I, 
we just sort of did a little short summary, which is usually one to three sentences, yeah. and then a, a detailed section, which was usually one to three paragraphs, small paragraphs, just so people can kind of keep it straight. That was my goal. Are you going to follow this up with an intermediate and an advanced? I wasn't. Are you going to get real it. crazy? I was. Are you going to do a deep it. dive? Are you going to start picking out individuals no. and just do massive deep no, dives? We don't. No, I don't think anyone wants to read a deep dive. I think we do deep dives on this podcast because we lull are, people to sleep. But are you going to put together to a thesis? Oh, you could yeah. do. A, you could do a whole thesis. If I was going to do a thesis, it would be explaining why wide-body geometry is inferior. You know this already. I know. I'm kind of surprised you haven't written it yet. No, it's too much work. There's too <laughs> much math, and no one. It's confusing, and it will upset a lot of people. Mrs. Penn, people feel very strongly sometimes if you make fun of their wide-body pinball machines, of which I know you have one. We do. We do. I, I, I take no offense if you hate wide-body machines. I wasn't aware of this, but listen, to each his own. Everybody feels differently. I like games that I'm sure you can't stand, so, eh, you know, whatever. I don't hate all wide-bodies. I just, all I, all, my only claim is that geometrically they are inferior to a standard width. There's a ma- mathematically provable. You I, just have, I to, tr- just have to trust me. Just have to trust me. With the angles. Yeah. Yeah. It has to do with the lower half of the play field and the, and that the flipper bats aren't a different size. That's it in a nutshell. I have a wide body as well. So I, I there is a degree of hypocrisy involved here, but <laughs> hey, and there are a few I really like. Like I enjoy playing Demolition Man. I think it's a fun wide body. I thought that WWF Royal Rumble. That's a fun that, wide yeah, body. Is, yeah. So there's some that I've enjoyed. You have an Indiana Jones. That's a decent wide body. We do. I don't love it. I don't love it to the degree that you all probably love it, but that's more because of the rules than the geometry for me. Yeah. I don't know the rules yet. Dr. Penn wrote like a thesis on it. Mm. No lie. It's like eight pages long with pictures, with arrows. I mean, he really dumbs it down for me. <laughs> you should probably I- see if This Week in Pinball will publish it as a guide. Um, yeah, he's got one for all three of our machines and I will admit that T2 and Ripley's, I have read every piece of it at least five times each, but the Indiana Jones one, I just, mm, I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to have fun. It's a great, it's such a cool machine in terms of the, I don't know. I really like it, but in terms of the rules, I don't know them yet. So I can't even speak to them. It's terrible. Mm. Ripley's. That's there's a lot of depth there in Ripley's. There uh, is. Yeah. It's there a, is. It's an interesting game. We had it on location for a while. A uh, lot of lot of yeah. stuff to do on it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, speaking of crazy, we're done with the news. So, Mrs. Penn, you've got you've got some discuss you've got some quizzing. You got some <laughs> trivia. I I came up with a little trivia game for you guys because, you know, I lose. Shall we play a game? It's a game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, I came up with this because I felt, you know, I heard that you guys know a lot about pinball and I was like, Hmm, I got to go on this podcast and I got to see what they know, see if I can hang with these guys. So, um, I came up with some questions. I had a little bit of help. I outsourced a bit and, um, I thought maybe we could do this. If it's cool with you guys, like head to head style. So you guys can call out your names or whatever call signs you want. I don't know what you want to, I don't know, whatever. Well, uh, all right. It's, it's your game. You decide. You want us to say our names or do you want us to say 
like a buzzer effect sound or uh, a call out from a pinball machine, kind of, which I think is what head to head does. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. You guys can do whatever okay. you want. We'll, we'll do uh, that. Okay. Tony, do you want to pick, pick what your, uh, some call out from a pinball machine to use as your buzzer? Oh, the buzzer. Yes. Yeah. To buzz in. Fire, power. Are you going to say it super slow so I can cut in? <laughs> I was going to say that. That's a little slow. Firepower. I'll go with firepower. I like firepower. That's a good it's one. It's one of my favorite sounds and that is the whole reason I love that mm-hmm. game. Okay. I'm going to, I'll do the, uh, the most infamous call out from 24. Ooh, jackpot. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. Oh, I could have done tube shot. You know I did. Could have done tube shot. Oh, tube shot. Oh no, we, yeah, we're not. Gonna, I, I haven't had enough to drink to do tube shot. Inside uh, joke. Okay. It's All five right. o'clock somewhere, Dennis. That that is an excellent point. It's number two. I mean, we could we could pause. You know, we could edit it out. <laughs> All right. So. All right. So we have our buzzers. Okay, that sounds good. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to read a question, and whoever buzzes in first has the chance to answer. And if you get it wrong, then the other person can have a chance to answer. And whoever gets it right gets a point. Whoever's got the most points at the end is the winner. All right. I understand. Congratulations, Dennis. Okay. I mean, I mean, good, good luck. We don't, we don't know. Shake hands, boys. Shake hands. No fighting. Okay. So here, this is uh, my first que- uh, question. I got to give some credit to uh, Ron Ron Hallett from the Slam Tilt podcast because I talked to him and I said, Ron, I need some good questions. And he came up with this one. And you will get you guys will get one point for each game that you can name. So I want you to name the eight stern stern wide body machines. Bueller. Hmm. Oh dear. Okay. Well, no, this is such an obvious Ron question. Uh, it is because I, I'll go ahead and indicate to you, Tony, already. This is not Stern Pinball. This is Stern Electronics. I, I, I figured Stern that Pinball out. has no wide bodies. Yeah, I, I figured oh, that right. out. That's why I was trying to cast my mind back. Um. All right. Ooh, jackpot! Well, that was a good good call in, Dennis. Thank you. I, I still I know I knew I had to do my buzzer to do it right. All right. Uh let's see. Iron Maiden. That's one of them. All right. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure, so I had to go. Um Flight 2000. That's one of them. Uh Algar. That is not one of them. Right. Tony, do you have any guesses? No, the only one I had in mind was Flight 2000. Oh, terrible. Well, guys, listen. The eight games are... <laughs> the first one's actually called Big Game. Oh, yes, Big Game. Okay. And then there's Cheetah, Free Fall, Split Second, Viper, and Orbiter 1. Oh, Orbiter 1! I didn't know you Orbiter 1 known was that wide. One. I should have known that We've one. We've played it we quite played a bit. We played it a lot. But it's such a turd, I never would have even... I like rec- Orbiter 1, thank you very much. I'm not saying that I want to own it's one. It's weird. It is weird. That's it why killed I the like company. It. I mean, it was... I mean, it is... It may, It feels like you're drunk playing it when you're sober. <laughs> and when I played it when I was drunk, oh man. I, I mean, that was really messed up. I give up. it full points for creativity, but it's the Popeye of Stern Electronics. It's... No... I and I hadn't even heard of free fall. I didn't uh, even yeah. know that was a machine. So. I I got these answers from Ron. No, so. I. Uh, oh yeah, I, no, no, no. I'm no, not. That's... I'm not looking it up. I, I'm sure I've heard of the rest. I'm sure that 
Yeah, it was just okay. Flight 2000 was the only one I could think of that I had played, but I didn't even think about Order 1. And it, Flight 2000 and Order 1 are the only ones I've played. Okay. So. I don't think I've played any of them, if it makes you feel any better, Tony. Maybe, maybe one of them. Orbiter one's worth a worth a world, just so you can yeah. understand what they were going for. But weird yeah. game, weird, weird. Okay, question number two. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> yes. Okay, this is a multiple choice question, guys. These questions come in all forms. So the first pinball machine, and I, I have pinball in quotes because it's debatable. Um, but the first pinball machine came out in 1931. It was called Baffle Ball. And it was made by Gottlieb. Have you heard of it? I have. Okay, so Baffle Ball. They sold out of 50,000 units of this game, which blows my mind. So how much did each game cost? Here are your, here are your options. A, $13.50. B, $22.50. C, $17.50. Or D, $25.50. Ooh, jackpot. All right, Dennis, what is it? I'm going to go with B, as in Bravo. Eh, you're wrong, uh, Dennis. I'm sorry. Uh, a? It's I mean, not firepower. A. Oh, really? I figured it would be. It's not. Each game was $17.50. We're terrible. Seems like such a oh, bargain, doesn't it? It's pre-flipper. It does sound... Yeah, but they didn't have any flippers, so they saved so much money. <laughs> they totally did. That's no, right. They, they saved on the bomb. pinball machines saved they on still the bomb. cost that much. I, it's, What's the inflation yeah. from that from the 30s to now? What would that make it cost in modern times? Oh, I bet it's at least $40. What what, what year was that? <laughs> 1931. 1931. He's getting the inflation calculator out on his phone. He is not. Yes, he is. He is. Oh, my gosh, Tony. That's crazy. All right. Well, here's another one. Now, this question is a tricky one. Who invented the tilt mechanism? Not multiple choice? It's. uh, Would you like me to make it multiple choice? No, no. I was just asking. Nope. It's not multiple choice. Ooh, jackpot. All right, Dennis. Who was it? Harry Williams. It was Harry Williams, and it you was a uh, it was the stool pigeon originally, not the not the t- tilt as we know it today. Yes, you're right. It was in wow. 1935. Dennis, that's impressive. I'm impressed. I, I am. You. I'm impressed. I, I, I read a I read an interview uh, with Harry Williams that was published in the 60s, and he talked about that. That's crazy. <laughs> That's All no right, surprise. Here's your next question. Well, hold on first. First, oh, I finished first. my I finished looking at my I finished oh, my gosh, inflation okay. calculator call up. Two hundred and seventy eight dollars. Wow. Wow. That's still. I mean, that's still a bargain. Only, yeah. I've only had uh, maybe three pinball machines that were under that amount. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Anyway. Anyways. All right. Well, here's the next one. So. Gary Stern in 1986 started the company Pinstar. And I don't know, I can't remember, was Pinstar in your, um, the TWIP article that you just wrote, Dennis? No, it was not. Okay. So Pinstar was the, they made conversion kits, right? Yes. And, um, they made three of them. Name one. Ooh, jackpot. Okay, Dennis. Gamatron. Gamatron is correct. That was one of them. Tony, do you know, know. there are the other two? I know. 
I've played one of the other two. You have. Maybe. Because they had a Gamatron and another one set side by side. Mm. All right, Texas. Texas this year. Oh, do you remember the name? No, because I remember the Gamatron. (laughs) I don't. No, Dennis is destroying me. I'm used to this. It's all right. It's all right, Tony. Don't don't feel bad. You'd be destroying me if I was playing in the game. Um. So the other two guys were Bullseye three hundred one, and Velocity Ball. Does either of those sound familiar? Actually, no. I think what you're thinking of is there were two Gamatrons. One was a white wood. That's what it was. One was a white wood. You're right. There were two Gamatrons side by side. There. I don't feel bad. I don't feel nearly as bad then. No, you shouldn't. You should feel super smart because you are. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Build, build, build him up. It, it, allow, it allows the fall to be all the more brutal. That's okay. Yep, that's right. That's right. You know, fake it till you make it, Tony. That's my motto in life in general. It works really, really well. It does. Mm. It does. All right. So the next question. The um, Williams taxi game. There are five passengers that appear in the back glass. Name them. And I, I have to tell you guys, Dr. Pin knew all of them except for one. Yeah, and that's where I'm I'm struggling as I try and try and come up with it. It's okay, guys. It's okay. Don't don't hurt Hold yourself. On. I'm, 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 I'm... So there are five people that appear in the back glass. I only I, I've got one four of them. of them. I've got four. Yeah, I have four as well, but... Oh, uh, give me one then. Firepower. Oh, Tony thinks he's got what them What is it, Tony? Gorbachev. That's correct. Santa Claus. That's correct. Marilyn Monroe. That is correct until copyright issues ch- force them to change it. Penbot. That is number four. This last one is very Dracula. Tricky. That is correct. Oh, Tony. and that was the one I couldn't remember is Dracula. Good. Penbot job. that I couldn't remember. Oh, okay. That's nice. the one Dr. Pin didn't <laughs> Impressive. know. Impressive. Very good job. Right. You've taken the lead. Five I points got points. points. No. You got five it, points for that one. That was a big question. It's a big you, one. You may hear some thunder in the background. Yeah, it's by storming the way, pretty so. good here. So if we get Is disconnected, really? yeah, don't don't be too shocked. But well, I'm on a laptop, so we won't lose the recording. So yeah. okay, we're, sounds we're, good. we're happy for the rain because we haven't really yeah, gotten no, much in like a month. Dry. All yeah, right, so Tony's in the, the lead, all thanks to a Mark Ritchie classic. <sighs> I love that it game. Is. It's See, Tony? Good. I love the game more now, but I, I already loved that game. <laughs> there you go. Now you now you have a reason to love it even more. All right, so. Here's the next one. What was the first original game made by Charlie Emery at Spooky? Ooh, jackpot. Dennis. Well, uh, now before I answer, I would like some clarification. You mean the first one that they actually produced for sale or the first one he made, period? It's the first one he made, period, that was later produced for sale. America's Most Haunted. It was not America's Most Haunted. That was my guess, so. Well, that's terrible, guys. It was <laughs> pinball. It was pinball zombies from beyond the grave. And then later on, it became Rob Zombie. That's right. Okay. Yep. 
No Very points. Good trick question. I like that was it. solid. Yeah. That was a Dr. Pin. Dr. Pin credit goes for that. All right. One. Well, give him kudos for making me be stumped. My hate flows. I'll give him that. some kudos for sure. All right. In what year? Well, no, that's a silly one. I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to tell you that in 1984, Stern Electronics, not Stern Pinball. Sorry for that snafu last No, time. no. That, that they made their last Stern. machine in 1984. What was it called? Ooh, jackpot. Yes, Dennis. Orbiter One. It was not Orbiter One. This one, though, I will tell you, was not fully manufactured. It was a prototype. Oh, prototype. Okay. Orbiter One was the last one before this one, I think. I was going with, I would have gone with Orbiter One because that's the one that broke them. Yeah, that's all right. Well, Dennis, we'll give you a point for that one. This one, because it was a prototype, it was called Laser Lord. They, it never okay. made it to full production. <clears throat> okay, it's yeah. just the prototype. So Orbiter 1 will count. All right. You don't have to count it. That's fair enough. I'm aware of Laser Lord. I forgot about it. I forgot when. I knew it was a prototype. I didn't know when in the in the history of the company it was being built. I Yeah, that's, yeah. That's confusing. It's confusing stuff, this pinball. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. The Bally Manufacturing Company was originally founded by Raymond Maloney in 1932. Where did the name Bally come from? Ooh, jackpot. Yes, it was Dennis. A, it was a game. I believe the name of the game was actually Ballyhoo. Yes, it was. Dennis, man, you get smart points for that one, buddy. That was a good one. I had no idea about that one. All right, here's the next one. This is going to test your video game slash pinball knowledge. So I hope that I hope you're feeling um, multitasking in your heads right now. In the late 1960s, Bally became publicly traded. They became a publicly traded company. They made several acquisitions, including Midway. During the 70s and 80s, Midway became the primary source of income for Bally because they started making early arcade video games. They obtained the licenses for three of the most popular video games of all time. Name one or two or three of them. Ooh, jackpot. Yes, Dennis. I believe... Uh, this is... <clears throat> I should probably not have called out. Uh, let's see. I think they did uh, <clears throat> Galaga. They did not do Galaga. All right, and I'm out. At least it wasn't the most three of the most popular games. Right, right. Yeah. Think like layman video games. Like I could name two of these just yeah. by Firepower. Yeah, you know. Okay, Tony's gonna call in. I'm gonna go with Centipede. Centipede was not one either. Wow, that was Ooh, my top jackpot. two guess. Do I okay, get to try Dennis. again? I'm trying. To. Yes. <laughs> Pac Man. Pac Man is correct. I knew I should have stuck with that one at first. That was one uh, of them. I mean, Pac Man is total classic. Yeah. It's totally true. So the other two guys, believe it or not, Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, mm. that she was probably like the first womp ever. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> she she was, and she's still, there you go. She's still such a, mm, I'm, I'm just expletives here. Anyways, um, Space Invaders was the, the third one. Mm. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I no. did not know that. That's... It's, yep, that was a popular one for sure. Okay, guys, last question. Are you ready for it? 
I hope so. <laughs> I, these are tricky. Some of these are really tricky. I was trying hard to stump you because I I was. You've been doing very well with it. No, you guys, we have Dennis at seven points and Tony at five. So it's a close game. Close game. All right. What was the first pin made with electromechanical flippers? Ooh, jackpot. Humpty Dumpty. It Humpty was Dumpty Humpty Dumpty. Dumpty. Gottlieb, yeah. It was in 1947. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, are you even knew the year? Holy cow. Yeah. I barely know the years my kids were born, let alone when Humpty Dumpty was made. If uh, they were born with electromechanical flippers, you'd know. The, uh... <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I might remember that a little bit better if they had flippers. So, guys, in the end, it was Dennis for the win. He had eight points. Tony, you had five. You made a good showing, though. It was all thanks because of my love of taxi. That's right. I'm, good game. I'm, proud I'm of you not both. surprised by this outcome. Well, this at was all. fun. I, it was. We should fun. do trivia more often because I like to win. Yeah, this is like when we played played Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit the one time, and then we we're like, let's never play this again. I don't remember <laughs> not wanting to ever play. Well, that's the thing. Everybody except for you didn't want to play Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit ever again. It was the fastest Trivial Pursuit game I've ever been a part of. Because Dennis just knew too much? Well, I don't recall him missing a question. Well, well I don't Why are you so smart, ago. Dennis? It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with smart. It's just, it's just worthless knowledge that's been amassed. That's all. <laughs> and anyone can fill their brain with anything. Just takes that's, time. That's true. That's, that's right. true. You used to be a teacher, didn't you? I did. I did back in the day before kids. It seems like a lifetime ago. But yeah, I taught third grade. It was a it was a pretty awesome thing to do. Who knows? Someday I'll go back yeah, and give them and give them your lesson. pinball tri- yeah. trivia, and then and then they'll just look at you. You'll be the cool teacher with a pinball machine in there. In their, oh. in their, in their classroom. Somebody was telling me I did a, a womp that actually had like a, an initiative with schools to have an after school pinball club. And I thought it was the best idea ever. I mean, would you finish your math work if I told you you could go play pinball afterwards? Like what kid wouldn't want to do that? They'd be, they'd be flying through their math facts. They'd know them in like three seconds. I know I'd burn through science test to go play doom on the computer in the back room of the science lab there you go yeah. I'm telling <laughs> incentives are, are a powerful motivator they really are they really really are well, all right well that's it guys that was excellent my quiz it was awesome it was a thank lot of you fun. for doing it I, oh was, yeah it was fun i like i like being stumped the uh well, for our next segment, this is going to be a, just a little brief one. I wanted to give a little bit of a street level update. Now, are are you, Mrs. Penn, familiar with street level games? Well, I am now, Dennis. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to go into full history of them. I actually have another article that I wrote back in November, I guess, uh, with Pinball News that time on street level. If you ever are curious about them, I, I, that's one of my favorites that I've done. I uh, actually read it, Dennis. Okay. I really did. I did oh, a wow. ton of homework. I studied more for this oh, podcast you did, you did, you than I did for oh, childbirth. Now, now I feel oh, <laughs> wow. Well, come, to be fair, childbirth is just breathe. So there. To, to oh, be fair, I'm I didn't study it. for childbirth. Okay, I did study quite a bit for this. Okay. So I read the article. You're a very good writer, by the way. My third grade teacher uh, passed was like, oh my gosh, he's really good. His grammar is very nice. 
Well, my penmanship is atrocious, so you're lucky you didn't see the handwritten version. But <laughs> Yeah, it, it was on the computer, so you were all good. Yes, so I, I was safe. Well, so anyway, so that, uh, for the listeners that aren't familiar, just in a quick nutshell, Premiere, which produced Gottlieb Pins, they had a set of half dozen games that the, that are called the Street Level Series that they did in 1990 and 1991. And it was sort of a attempt to sell a cheaper, simpler style game that required less maintenance and had less features, but were also to be sold to operators at a lower price point. And there's a whole history about why it didn't work out. But one of the things that was, I've recently found that was interesting is since I mentioned at the start in my intro that I picked up Hoops, Hoops is a street level game. It was the last street level game. And I already had a street level game called Silver Slugger, which was the first street level game. So having both of those meant I now have both manuals. So we're able to just start looking at what just and sort of raw math, what is and isn't on these games because IPDB, the internet pinball database actually is relatively incomplete. I probably need to go in and fill in some of the hoop stuff. Cause I don't even think it has all their features listed right now, but my dad actually was looking at those manuals cause he was helping troubleshoot on what we needed to do to fix the flasher issue. He's, he's a retired electrical engineer and he likes to work with me on the pinball machines. And he mentioned to me, he sent me an email and he goes, I was looking at those manuals, Dennis. And I started doing the, the dreaded, this happens all the time with modern collectors when they want to have their battle between Jersey Jack pinball and Stern pinball. They start counting coils and switches. <laughs> and so that's what he did <laughs> is he was looking at it and he goes, Silver Slugger has five more switches total than Hoops does in the game. So you think, okay, five switches. What, what is, that doesn't sound like very many, but it's a reduction of over 10%. So Hoops had fewer things to activate in the game overall. Silver Slugger had more coils, actual like what fire the flippers, what file drop targets. Well, Hoops doesn't have drop targets. So there were more coils in Silver Slugger than there were in Hoops for a variety of reasons. Uh, and also, one of the things that I noted when I was looking at this is I told them I had just gotten done doing all my light bulb swap, swaps and I was putting in the GI. And I said, what about the lamp count? Because I only had to change like a dozen bulbs to update the GI to LED in, in the Hoops. And I had to do a lot more on Silver Slugger. Over it seems a little backwards. It, it, it was weird. And the, uh, and Silver Slugger has over twice the lamp quantity as 155 versus 75 bulbs and hoops. So they, they being Premier, they just massacred the bill of materials by the end of this run. And they charged the same amount. I, I guess I haven't pulled any. I mean, part of the scan, scan, not scandal, but part of the problem <laughs> that Premier had was their distributors weren't passing on the cost savings to the operators. The, uh, they were, Sale. they're saying, here, I'm trying to sell Silver Slugger at the same price as Diner. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's no. like, but if you look at them side by side, you're like, Diner has a lot going on. Silver Slugger has spinners. Nice spinners yeah. oh, that are not, fun to rip. They're great, but, but visually, who, what would you be more likely, especially if you never were a big time pinball person, what would you more likely drop money into? Diner or Silver Slugger? I'd Hoops? want the bells and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hoops or Whirlwind. I mean, these are, this was the competition. Right. This is why it didn't work out. But so what I, 
in terms of, I mean, street level was always meant to be stripped down. So we started trying to look at other manuals to see, was there like a steady decline in parts as they just went <laughs> along? And it doesn't seem so much to be that, that way. Hoops is just dramatically less than anything else. Now, when it came to things like, even though there weren't any custom plastic toys or, or gizmos on Silver Slugger, in terms of its component count, it was right up there with other premier level full feature games like light camera action right. or after the series ended, they did class of 1812, which sort of a horror themed uh, game with, I, it was right up there with that. So in terms of they just, instead of having it like do a mechanism, like a beating heart, they just stuck in more flashers instead, which is throwing some flashers. Silver Slugger just blind you. It's got, I it think it's will. got, it has over 30 flashers in it. Oh, those big bright white ones, when they start going off, it is blind. Well, that's my fault. Seven, <laughs> seven surface mount diode <laughs> flashers, the blindiness money can buy. Oh, because, man. It, uh, good job. Cause I want Steve Bowden to have to wear sunglasses if he ever plays my games. <laughs> that's, that's my, it's my philosophy. So, but what I thought was just sort of interesting about just how dire it must have been at the end for them to strip it down that much is, Hoops, interestingly enough, is the one street level game that I hear high level tournament players praise. And so what I think is interesting is, at least from that perspective, just how valuable a layout and a balanced rule set is over the bells and whistles. So it really just comes at how you come at the hobby. Yeah. Do you come at it from a, a bling perspective or do you come at it from a gameplay perspective? And you can have a really simple game that has a lot of stuff going on. That's a lot of fun. So I just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. There's this real interesting, just how much disparity within street level there was in terms of how much money they put into the games. Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. It's actually, it's the street level update flows really nicely right into uh, the next segment that you sent me. I liked that. I noticed Yes, it's why I wanted to stick it where it was, <laughs> so that we could then talk about what we all think makes pinball fun. So, in terms of just the elements, just it's what anyone and everyone's different. So, what anyone goes at when they when they come and approach pinball and they find that they like it, why we like it is different from person to person. So, I mean, as a, as a person who's newer into the hobby, I'm curious about the Mrs. Pin perspective. What, what from all your experience from these shows and these tournaments and the games you own in your own home, what do you like? What elements stand out most to you that you find make you want to play more versus the elements that maybe you think suck or just don't interest you? Yeah. Well, I came up with a, I came up with a few. I actually made a list, guys. You're going to be really excited about this. All right. So I'm excited. First of all, my favorite is when games have a really high tilt warning. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because I have a tendency to get a little, a little aggressive with machines and then I end up tilting. And, you know, that's a real bummer when you tilt. I, there's a very fine line between a nudge and a tilt, it turns out. And I have not figured out that line quite yet. So I like it when they have a really high tilt warning. So what, like, what's your ideal number of warnings? Five? I, no, I don't know. At least I think three is probably the, the good, I don't know, just not zero. Yeah, zero is okay. such a bummer. I, I, I've had game. I have. I, I've had a game tilt on ball launch, and I didn't Ooh. even hit it or anything. It tilted on ball launch. Well, that's a yes, bad it, setup. That's just a. That's just a bummer. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, someone they didn't configure t- their game right. If that's the case, they got to tighten them up for competitions. I totally get that, but man, I tilt. Where was it? We were just in uh, Sturbridge. And I was playing some game. It's not like I was going to win, 
but I tilted on the game and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I don't even remember what it was. Dolly Parton, maybe something like that. But yeah. So yeah, I do like it when there's at least some tilt warning. And um, I like really any game that my kids like, because when my kids are playing pinball, that means I can play pinball too. So, you know, that's like that. a mom win. Are they more um, theme oriented? I mean, is that that is what what catches their eye then? I mean, I think most kids go for the the things that they know. So, you know, my youngest daughter is obsessed with Spider-Man. She has been since she was two. And we think it's awesome. She's got a Spider-Man bedroom. But like, you know, so she sees the Spider-Man machine when we go to a, you know, a tournament or we go to a place where they have pinball machines. And she's like, it. she beelines for it. She loves the superheroes. So, you know, I think kids go for games like that a lot. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I know I've talked about it in my podcast before, but I think that the themes that are out there are not necessarily specifically geared towards kids or girls in general, because, you know, my, my older daughter is like the princess tutu, unicorn sparkles, rainbows girl. And there's none of that in pinball. So she's kind of the one that we have to convince. Yeah. My oldest is always like, have they put out a Splatoon pinball machine yet? No, that's not happening. Oh, have they oh. put out? No, not yet. Wah, Do they have wah. a Minecraft machine? No, not yet. Actually, a Minecraft would be a really good that theme would for be a, a pinball really good machine. Hmm? Yeah, I that agree. Fun. I think a lot of video games uh, would make a lot of sense for pinball themes uh, at this point, especially if you want to grow the hobby. I think you gotta. It's bigger than Hollywood, so you have to, yeah. You just have to consider yep. your market, but. I guess we're still going to do old guy rock bands. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, Oh, well. I I sent you that idea the other day. We we just need to do a Toto's Africa music theme pen, and then Mm -hmm. we don't ever need another music theme pen. It doesn't have to be any other Toto songs. That's true. We can put in like 40 versions of Africa, and it's cool. That's true. And you never have to loop them because the song's so long. You'll drain well before you get to the end of it. Exactly. It'd be the perfect machine. You could use uh, Tim Timmy Sexton for your backlash art because he looks so much like that guy. He was one of my doppelgangers. (laughs) That's right. He was in that exact music video. There you go. Tony, what are a couple of elements that you look for that you find are fun? For me, because I'm – my biggest draw to pinball in general is as a social aspect Mm -hmm. because – the whole couch co-op type of video gaming is pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. video gaming, which is what I primarily play, you do you do online. So it's just voices in your head over. Well, your head. There are voices in your head. Yeah, yeah. No, I play are, lots of single player games. Voices, I've got Tony, voices in my we'll, head. We'll work on that but after. It's the a, <laughs> or voices in your headset and this and that. So I like the social aspect of actually going somewhere. Like when we go. To, to Texas or to Pizza West or to 403. I, I really enjoy the social aspect and I feel unlike a lot of video games and even arcade games don't feel the same to me as pinball in a social setting. They've got a different feel. So that's, that's my true. biggest love of pinball is the whole social gathering group. Thing. Okay. There's a lot of love. There is a lot of love and there's a lot of not love too. I mean, well, but you're going to find people like that in everything. Yeah, you are. You got to focus on the love. Exactly. 
But what I really enjoy, I like a game that's got a good spinner. Ooh, when I love you a hit spinner. a good spinner just right, and especially if it's in a shot where you can hit it, and then you hit it again, you hit it like two, three, four times in a row. It just feels so good. It might not be doing anything special. You might not, you might be getting ten points per spin because you don't have anything set up, but it feels good. Just like every time, if every time, at least for me, if I can repeat a shot, especially like an orbit or a spinner or something that's fast, and I can repeat it like three, four times in a row, it feels good. I don't care if I haven't scored any points. I don't care if it's useless. It feels so good just repeating the shots and getting the shots down. And when it's not a hold, flip, hold, flip, when you can hit that shot on the fly several times in a row, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It feels great. Spinners were on my list too, Tony. Oh yeah, that's just oh so good. Nothing, nothing like a nice lubed up spinner, ready to play. Mm-hmm. You guys are kindred spirits with uh, Ron and Bruce at Slam Tilt. I know you can't love, hate you can't hate a spinner. Spin. No, I don't know anyone who hates spinners. <laughs> Tony, you gotta get you gotta get the the uh, the pinball lube that Ron recommends. I don't know if you have it, but that stuff is like gold. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It might have been a, a silicon. I think. Might have, yeah. yeah. I don't remember if he used like a, a dry or if it's a like a I'm like I have spray silicons and stuff. Yeah. But he, unlike I know Tony favors metal spinners. Yes. Uh, Ron loves cheap plastic spinners, namely what Stern Electronics used because he because they spin more. That's they true. Spin, they, spin I, they, they do, but I, I don't know. It always seems to me like the metal spinners have that special sound when they, mm-hmm. when you first catch it. I, I like a it clank. so much. Clank, 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 clank. How about you, Dennis? Well, I like spinners too. You're right. See, victory. Spinners. Oh, we need a game with 15 spinners on it. Spinners That's for a, the win. It's a lot, a lot of spinners. I tried Spend to think, win. I tried to think up what, um, what is the most number of spinners that's ever been in a game? I don't know I if any game has done four. Don't know if I've played anything with more than three. Yeah. but And it seems like one and two are the most common. Two sure. seems pretty, especially on older games. Well, yeah, a lot of, especially on EM era and stuff, there was a big, uh, big interest in doing symmetrical layouts, mm-hmm. which I, I've been critical of in the past, but it, you know, it was what it was. Uh, and that's why you'll see things like on Grand Prix, which is symmetrical layout. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a good game. So if you have a spinner, to keep balance in the force, you have to have a spinner on the other side. It's only logical. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, well, I guess a couple of things that I, I'll point out that I really enjoy would be flow. For me, anything where you're rewarded for repeatedly, you, you get rewarded for hitting the shot and that reward is you get to make another shot. I really, really like shots that do that. That's probably why I'm very partial to Steve Ritchie games. I think that's why I think the warp ramp shot in Star Trek is one of the best shots in all of pinball because it's so fast and flowy that if you get in that rhythm and can keep making that shot, it's like being able to rip that spinner repeatedly without having to trap up. It's like that. But, uh, so just, but flow in general, I don't even need the spinner. I just want the flow. So there's that. But on a trap up perspective, I really like roving targets to shoot. I don't care if they're drops or standups. I'm okay with either. But I like the idea that this shot is lit and the light is moving and yeah. I need to try and do some, it's, it's sniper time. It's time for me to be sniper. 
and hit that shot and get bonus points for being able to land that shot. And that was more common in older games. But things like Superman, for example, does that with its drop target bank, right. which is, I think, a really, really interesting thing to do, especially for such when you make the shot really dangerous as well. Just got to have the incentive in there so that there's value to try and do your snipe. I but, do like drops better than stand-up targets. I'd say most people do. The, for me, it's it depends because stand-up targets, they add a brutality to a game because generally the ball uh, is moving a lot faster when there's a stand-up. Yeah. So, for example, people have taken firepower and converted it to drops because it was meant to be a drop target game. It's got space in there for the drops. Yeah. But the ball is slower. So, and I like the brutality of those six stand-ups. They're just like, you have to hit them if you're going to light that spinner to rip that spinner. So you got to go for them and they're going to drain you. So, welcome to 1980. Enjoy. <laughs> Mrs. Penn, you got some other items? Um, yeah, I do. I, I love a game with multi-ball. I've talked about that in my podcast. I just think multi-ball is so freaking fun. It's just so fun to have multi-ball. I feel like it, it tests your hand-eye coordination. I feel like it keeps you on your toes. I mean, it's like having a few kids. Like you just don't know what you're going to get and you just better be ready for everything. Now, do you prefer games where it's mostly the the main thing you're trying to do is get into and keep going with multi-balls? Or do you prefer games where the multi-ball is more sparingly done as a like a side a side activity that helps you advance other objectives? I don't know. I think um, I think I like locking balls. I like having a goal. So I think that that's nice. And a lot of times they'll stack that um, in games that I've played, at least with you know, different modes, you're trying to hit ramps, or you're trying to hit targets. Um, and then you can lock balls as you go along with that. But I honestly don't discriminate. I love all kinds of multi ball. I just think it's such a fun thing to, to do. And I'm horrible at it. It's like multi balls come out and then it's like drain, drain, drain. But man, just for those like 10 seconds, I'm like, man, this is fun. It's just a fun thing to have multi ball. What's your stance on virtual ball lock versus physical? I don't know. There's something to be said about both, I guess. I, I like that. I, I like it when I can see the balls being locked in our Ripley's. You can actually see it. You can look at them and say, here's the ball locked. Um, but like, you know, in a lot of the, the newer games, it's a virtual lock. And I don't know. I like that, too. I feel like it all goes towards the same goal. So eh, I, I don't know. I like being able to see it, I guess, if I had to pick one. OK. Now, one thing I do like, I mean, I I I. I, I would prefer the, the 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 actual physical ball lock for the most part, but some games like um, Maverick. Oh, okay. With its oh, slow yeah. the ball lock. Have you ever played Maverick, Mrs. Penn? I don't know. I probably I've heard of it, but they all kind of blend together, especially if they don't have like those franchise themed yeah. games. Um. So I don't know if I played Maverick. Maverick. It's a Sega game that has one of the giant DMDs. It's got Mel Gibson on the back glass in a cowboy hat. And the ball lock on it is a steamboat. So the paddle wheel moves the ball up and puts it in the lock. But you have to wait like somewhere between five and ten seconds for it to actually yeah, it's terrible. finish locking it's so the ball. It's so slow. It's horrible. So, in theory, like it sounds one. like it would be cool. But it does seem to disrupt the game. When it, it's like, like, like the water wheel on um, the fishing Oh, uh, fishtails? Fishtails. It's like kind of like the water wheel on fishtails, yeah. but yeah. way, 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 way slower. Mm. Yeah, that would be slower. 
Yeah, it's, it's too bad because Maverick but, overall, I think, is a pretty good, uh, yeah, go, it's good not idea a of the game. game at all. But. Now, and then, but I've seen some of the physical ball locks. I'm going to bring this up to a game that everybody already knows that I love. Um, Total Nuclear Annihilation has an amazing ball lock. Oh, yeah, the, the Denisi lock. Yes. The inline drops that lock the ball. But that leads me into an interesting question for you guys. What do you both think about ball stealing? Do you like games that let you steal another person's ball and take their multi-ball? No. Oh. It just doesn't really. seem fair to me. I mean. Wasn't, wasn't there a big, like, controversy or drama over, um, I don't know, somebody was, was, like, about somebody who was playing in a tournament, and they they thought that the person had stacked the balls during the practice round or something like that, and there was so much drama over it. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, in general, I'm big on sharing, like, especially with little kids, got to be big with sharing. But if I lock the balls, I want to be able to play the balls. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't really like ball stealing. I mean, lock stealing. It's, it, it's annoying. I've had it happen to me multiple times in tournaments, but when it is, Basically, the Denisi lock is fine. It's going to happen. But I also don't know how good that game is for a tournament play. That's a game that I kind of want to play by myself and just play over and over and over and over and over again. That's interesting because Scott designed it with the idea of people playing dollar games on it. He wanted it to be a competitive game, not an individual game. So that's well, a I can very see different perspective. Some people the, think that 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 the stealing is all part of the game, and like you know, no holds bar, and well, I, do what and you got to do, and I can get behind that too. I think Scott did not on purpose did not put in the ability to turn off the ability to ball steal. So well, I, yeah, that makes I think sense. his stance is that I want you to, because he could just as he I'm not maybe not I don't want to say just as easily, but within the software of the of the P Rock system, he could accommodate. Just keeping track virtually yeah. and allowing the balls to come in via virtual, just auto ball launch them in and keep track of that and turn off ball stealing if he wanted to allow it. Right. Right. He's a believer. My, uh, my opinion is I don't, I don't seek out games that have lock stealing. I'm totally happy playing them for the variety of it. But what I do feel is in a tournament setting, you need to stick a note on the game's back box that says this game has lock stealing. And it must yeah. be declared. You, it is not right to assume that people should have to know that. You need to declare it. It should be just like any game where tilt ends game, any old Gottlieb multiplayer, you need to put a sign on it. You can't just expect everyone to know that games made by Gottlieb in 1965 with more than one player tilt ends their game. You can't expect it. You have to tell people. I had no idea. As long as you, well, I, I may be wrong on the year, so don't, don't quote me on that. But yeah, uh, I believe it was Gottlieb and, uh, yeah, it's not, it used to be tilt would end game on even some single players, but for a while, yeah, even the multiplayers, it wouldn't even skip turn. It would just, uh, that's Steve Bowden's least favorite type of game to play competitively is anything that were tilt ends game. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer. Oh, yeah. Because it's a bummer. Because unless you got to practice on that game beforehand, then basically, I mean, if you're going up on it cold, my approach on those games, because I've seen them in, in, in tournament before is, okay, I can't nudge. You yes. can't, you but, can't risk it, but the game's going to have two inch flippers, not three inch because it's right. that old. So now what, what am I supposed to do? 
I'll tell you what I do, Mrs. Penn. I lose. <laughs> yeah, I lose too. It's okay, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay, okay, Tony. It's okay, Tony. It's okay. Tony, it's, it's okay. It'll be all right. <laughs> Just no, I'm used to losing. Go. It's yeah. cool. It's fine. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I, I ain't never won. I ain't never won a tournament. Last tournament that I played in, guys, I beat seven people. I was so psyched. That's awesome. I'm happy if I beat that many people. Yeah. I am. Well, yeah, there were like a hundred and something people playing. So don't get too excited for me. But, you know, I just don't want to come in last place. The the one time I, I have come in last place many times. But the I have one too. time I played in a really big tournament was when was the first year we went to Texas and we played in the Texas tournament. And I was so psyched because I was, you know, below a hundred uh, or my ranking I was above 110 so I mean I, there were there was like 120 some odd players and I was like 108 or something and I was super stoked it's like I almost broke a hundred right <laughs> listen you've got to take the little victories when you're not very good at pinball you know I mean we're playing in a tournament tomorrow and I'm a little terrified like I'm a little scared I don't know I oh I just don't want to come in last place but at the same time i understand someone has to come in last yeah, place so. someone's gonna lose it's see, tough it, see, it's part of the reason that's part of the reason i've always I'm, I'm every time i hear about penberg part of me wants to go to penberg and it's just it's a cost and distance and time off yeah. issue i would love to go to penberg because i mean when, when you're there's somewhere where you know that even when you you're gonna get to play all the way through, and even though you're gonna be in the the the, the triple Q division, which is where I belong, yeah. you're still gonna be being, playing with people who also belong in the triple Q division. So you're not gonna feel like you're getting just wiped out because you know it's like, hey, that's who I'm playing next, and he's ranked number four in the world, and I'm yeah. ranked number four thousand five hundred and seventy eight. I don't think I'm that high. I think I'm lower than that. I don't know. You might be high. I don't, I haven't I checked don't. in like a year. Yeah, I don't, I don't check my, I don't check my world ranking. I, I only check state I ranking check the state and ranking. I only check it like three times a year anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The other competitive, the good competitive players keep telling me I'm doing better this year. So I guess they must be checking. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Baby steps. Baby steps. Exactly. Baby steps. I, 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 I hold on to the, Hey, I beat one of our good competitive players one time. So I remember sure. that I beat him. Yes. He was so drunk. He can, somebody had to guide him to the machine, but it happened. It <laughs> happened. Listen, it doesn't, circumstances don't matter. You beat him one time. <laughs> High five. And I always just remember that even though I like to win, I don't have to win to enjoy pinball. Yes. That's step That's number true. one and step number two. I'm sitting here with this big giant microphone with tens of people possibly listening <laughs> to me talk to a much more successful podcaster. So that is a win. That is a win. I, I, I'm, a, I'm not a contender. I am somebody. I'm somebody. <laughs> there you go. Read my That's articles. I'm somebody. Read them. <laughs> it's all about perspective, you know? Mm. Oh, yes. Yes. It's all. Yes. That's a really, really good summary on. Not just pinball, but yeah. life. It's about yeah, perspective. Yeah, that's, that's kind of true. It's kind now, of true. Back on our start, our, our whole pinball fun thing. Now, there's something that I want to see if you guys think it's fun. Because I, I'm i torn on it. Okay. Like, uh, on some games, uh, specifically uh, Jurassic Park. Okay. And the old Star Wars. And I know the Daddy East one, you know? The old Daddy East Star Wars and some of the other games, they have the things where something will pop 
pop up on the on the DMD, and you need to spam the trigger on Jurassic Park. You spam the launch button on on the uh, old Star Wars, and I know some of the new games have stuff where they want you, where Stern wants you to spam that center button for stuff. So, how do you feel on stuff like that? That requires you to actively be paying attention to the DMD while actively paying okay. attention to the thing. So you mean more specific than just video modes in general? Ge- more specific than just video modes in general. I'm talking about these specific ones video where the ball modes, stays in play. Video modes while the ball's in play. Okay. Right. I, have you played any of those games? I have, you know, we have, I like the video mode in general and I don't mind it when they throw at you. Like, you know, sometimes they'll have, they'll suspend the actual play field part of the pinball game. And then you'll have to like, I don't know, shoot targets or something on the DMD. Right, right, right. I don't mind that at all. But honestly, I have a hard time multitasking multi-ball. So for me to be able to look at the DMD and play the pinball game at the same time, you're, you're crack a lacking. Like I can't handle that. I, uh, my overall stance is I actually, I, I like that. I like the mode, the, the video mode while playing the ball more than regular video mode. Do you? Because I really? like how it's, I, because I like how it stresses me out. It's a trick. Yeah. It's all a trap. It's like, Oh, look, here's a velociraptor running across the screen. Oh, listen to that sound. It's, it wants you, it wants you to take your hand off the floor. It wants you to drain. That's what it wants. Do you fall for it? Or do you not? And I like to fall for it. So what it's started to make me do is be, if I'm playing Star Wars and it's time to destroy some TIE fighters, it's time for me to shoot some velociraptors. It's like, no, Dennis, don't try and multitask. Trap up and then do it. And maybe I can't trap up. But if I can't, hopefully I kept the ball in play. I like that better than most of the regular video modes, which generally just take me out of pinball. Mm-hmm. And so- That's true. So yeah, it's, it's weird because it's, it's a like, challenge. I like, yeah, I like it because it's sort of a stressor, but it's a stressor that I can choose to opt out of. I don't have to shoot that velociraptor. I don't have That's to. True. I don't have to let that sound go and make it be, be all panicky. I can just be like, no, I don't, I don't need to. I don't want to. It's only 10 million points. Harder. It's harder on Star Wars where it's like, you want to destroy those because that gets you to a multi ball. Right. So they, uh, Dwight really up the ante on that one. It's like, oh no, you're not going to resist. You're going to drain like a loser. And I fall for it, but I'm, I'm trying. So I like the idea of it because I like how it freaks people out. Uh, and, and it freaks me out, but. I know a lot of pinball people also, they just can't adapt to that sort of stuff. They really criticize the action button lately, but yeah. as Tony's pointed out, this has been around for a long time. Data East was doing this in the nineties constantly on things. So yeah, it's, I think the big difference just yeah. now is they moved the action button so they can still have an actual physical, uh, ball launch. Yeah. Instead of having to hit the button ball launch where it's like, right, right. right. I like the new action button placement more than how Data East did it. Yeah, because every, every, if you get into right. it and you've had four or five beers, you're, you have no problem well, dropping down and pounding your forehead and, onto it. And it's all we, I mean, it's all weird. It's <laughs> like the smart missile launch is a different shape in a different position on Last Action Hero than mm-hmm. it is on Jurassic Park. And then high speed to the getaway had the shifter you had to do. Yeah. And then half of the operators put the pin gulp on that side of their pinball machine. And I, this, this is a, this is a dentist trick, Mrs. Penn. If you're playing the getaway and it tells you shift gears, Use your knee. That's what I do. Just use your knee. 
just that's kick that ki- that's kind of brilliant actually i've never thought to use my until knee they thing. stick a pen gulp on it and then you have dislocated your knee or torn your meniscus yeah, oh, yeah but, don't do that, okay? but you know well pinball is pain so what can we what can we say i just have uh, it's a matter of perspective and in that perspective i mean i guess it that's hurts. dedication if you're gonna tear your meniscus i'd probably just <laughs> not shift gears yeah that's true you could though. not shift you gears know. but it won't want you to you just hear steve Ritchie going shift gears play better <laughs> shift gears come on loser shift gears it's taunting you oh, i it's wish taunting. that was the line shift loser yeah i think i think he has more uh he, he's more smack talk oriented in uh no fear but he does like to smack talk <laughs> Well, were there any other fun elements that either of you wanted to bring up? I don't know. I think I think most of pinball is pretty fun in general. I think yeah, there I agree. are some things that I prefer over others, but I think that there's a, there's just pinball in general is fun. Awesome. I don't know. No, I I think that's a good place to end that. So we we do have a video game segment, so we're going to transition to video games. Bye, everyone okay. who's just pinball only. Bye, pinball all people. We love you. Bye, pinball what, people. Yeah, yeah, goodbye. We're going to hurt Mrs. Pin's feelings, but okay, go away. Uh, so you had an idea, and I thought it was a great idea, and that was to take your WOMP concept, which focuses on highlighting awesome women in pinball, and applying it to video games. What yes. a clever idea. It was Dr. Pin's idea. I'm not going to take credit for it. Oh, it that good. Dr. Pin. He's always I meddling. He's so smart sometimes. I'm like, honey, <laughs> why'd you marry me? Because honestly, no, he married me because I'm the opposite of that when it comes to video games. So he 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 carries me in this area, you know? Opposites attract. They yeah, do. Paula Abdul taught us that. Yeah. And that crazy cartoon A cat. Crazy cartoon cat. Yeah. Yes, I remember they that did. Video. That well, Paula, man, now, she just now, knows her stuff. She does. She did at least back then. I don't know how how she's yeah, doing she's, anymore. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's for another podcast. Yeah, that'll be on yeah. her. I have to all night podcast. Podcast. The eclectic. Abdu- right. The eclectic Abdul podcast. Well, yeah. on the one where we just talk Paula, yeah. that'll be a whole half an episode. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So video games. So women. Awesome women. Women in video games. Uh, did you want to yes. lead us off? Sure, I can. So, you know, Dr. Pin brought this up because initially when I came up with WOMP and the PG version, because I know that you guys do not swear We're so on clean. the Eclectic Gamers podcast, is Women of Mother Freaking Pinball is what WOMP stands for, if you don't mm-hmm. know. So then I was thinking, Dr. Pin is obsessed with pinball and he is also obsessed with PlayStation. So right now he's got the PlayStation 4, and um, this is a hobby of his that I can get into somewhat, but it's, ooh, I don't know. It's a love-hate relationship I have with the PlayStation, but I realize that there are going to be women in PlayStation 2. So, you know, I kind of went into this as a, I used PlayStation in general just because it fit into my, you know, acronym very nicely. But just women gamers in general, you know, womps of the video game world. Um, and I came up with a couple of them that I was going to share with you guys. The awesome. First I two- have two as well. And as do I. Oh, what? Balance is- to the force. We'll just rotate. This will be fun. 
This sounds good. So I wonder if we have any of the same ones, because that would say that we're like true kindred spirits here. Mm-hmm. So I can guarantee that me and Dennis don't, because <laughs> I saw his notes and he stole at least one of mine, so I found another uh, one. Whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. I, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? My first, my first womp, women of mother-freaking-playstation, she's called the Granny Gamer. Her name's Shirley Curry. Have you heard of Shirley? I have. So she is 80 years old and she has four kids. She's got nine grandkids and her husband passed away, which, you know, is traumatic for everyone. And so she was like struggling with something to fill her time. And on a whim, she, you know, went in to visit one of her kids or her grandkids and they were playing a, a game and she got hooked. She started playing civilization two was the first game that one of her grandkids got her hooked on good game one more turn just one more turn (laughs) and um so she got hooked on that then she started playing skyrim and um she uploaded one day uh, one of her grandkids you know with the technology smarts uploaded one of her games to youtube and she woke up the next day and had eleven thousand emails and they were all supporting her and her gaming. And now she's got her own YouTube channel. She's got almost 300,000 subscribers. And she has 714 videos currently of her playing games. And she's in her 80s. So she was my first womp, Shirley. That's an I awesome that- selection. That is an awesome selection. I've seen, I've seen some of her videos in the past. And where they popped up somewhere online. That's awesome. I, I just think it's incredible. I really well, the, do. The bar has started very high. Tony, what's your first name? My first name is I went less from a player stand and I went with a designer for both of them. Oh, that's that's good. I like that. My first I one do is too. Kim Smith. Uh, Kim Smith love her game. created one of the greatest video games ever made. She was the team lead. For uh, when she came out of uh, school, her and a group she was with had created a little, oh, what do you want to call it? Just kind of a, like a prototype game, a little, uh, a little uh, test game. And the game was so well liked when they showed it around that Gabe Newell of Valve hired them all so they could make an actual full up of that game. And that game became Portal. Portal is one of the greatest puzzle platform games ever created. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By a womp. Yep. And That's she, crazy. She, uh, she led the Portal team. Uh, she was a big part of the development team of uh, both Valve's Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Good first-person which, shooters. Yeah. They're nice cooperative, uh, four-player cooperative zombie games. Uh when she left Valve, she went to another game called Air, or another company called Airtight Games, where she um, was the lead designer with a game that was released uh, by Airtight and put out by Square Enix. It's called Quantum Conundrum. Quantum Conundrum is one of those games that it reviewed really well, and I enjoyed it quite a lot, but it didn't really take off. Mm-hmm. It was. It, it, it just didn't become as big as it probably should have. Uh, it was a puzzle platformer like Portal was. 
Uh, but where portal was the much more simplistic, you have two portals and you figure out the puzzles using your two, two portals in quantum conundrum. You actually had uh, a control of four different dimensions. And so you shifted between realities to solve puzzles. Like in one reality, everything weighed a lot less. So you could pick up a safe and uh-huh. throw it. And then you could switch to another uh, reality where everything was much heavier than normal and it would drop on an exact spot. Or you could throw a feather and make it super heavy so it would drop and trigger something. Or there was another one that where time slowed down for everything but the player. So if there was like, you know, the the timed things where there's blades dropping, you could slow time down. So they're going real slow and you could just work your way through them. Or you could reverse gravity. Uh, where gravity was reversed for everything except for the player. So if there's a bunch of stuff piled in front of the, an exit, you could reverse gravity and it would all fall from the floor to the ceiling. And then you'd walk out the exit. And then as the game goes on, it gets a lot more complicated and you have to combine the powers together to make your way and solve the puzzles. And it was a lot of fun. I played a lot of it uh, when it came out, and which was in 2012. And it was a really good game that I enjoyed. It just never took off as much as it should have. And it helped that the main narrator voicing it, the person helping you, talking to you through in the background, was voiced by John Delancey. And mm. his voice is amazing. Uh, she went from Airtight Games when they, they closed their doors in 2014. Uh, she spent a lot of time uh, in Amazon's new uh, studios working on stuff in the background. She wasn't, no games, none of the games that came out was working on projects. But the big thing was there was it was announced in 2017 that she was hired as a design director for Motive Studios. And Motive Studios is big because they're a brand new EA uh, studio that just put out Star Wars Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're based entirely around doing action-adventure games. And they are supposedly currently working on another Star Wars game. And uh this will lead into my second one, so I'll wait till later. Okay. But I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, my my first womp uh, will be Felicia Day. And sort of AKA, I believe she's been fairly well known as the queen of the nerds yeah. for a very long what? time. Oh, I yeah. thought that was my title. No, <laughs> no she predates you as the reason. But she does. You, she totally does. She's been busy with a little baby, so you can now, you, you can steal this. You can steal the throne from her. <laughs> oh, I don't want to steal your, I yeah. don't want to steal Felicia's throne. Well, yeah, Felicia, she, she's probably best known worldwide as an actress. Yeah. Uh, she's been on a number of TV shows. She got, got her start on Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, right, way back in the day. I loved that show. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Kindred spirits. I know. It was a good, it was a great show. And, uh, and she's a gamer. Uh, she plays, uh, does a lot of streaming on Twitch last night. I saw still like with her brother, they'll go and play a classic game or mm-hmm. a modern game and, and just start swearing and then throwing the controllers <laughs> and stuff. But the, the reason why I wanted to put her on this list specifically was, I mean, so she's a gamer, an actress, a musician. She started a web series called The Guild and it, was based loosely based on her own experience as someone who played massively multiplayer online games. So like World of Warcraft or uh, Final Fantasy 11 or Ultima Online, things, things like that. And the series was real good. It, it was, was real interesting. 
and it just kept getting renewed for more and more seasons. But what it did for a lot of gamers is it really spoke to them about how it was for a lot of people who went in and played MMOs, these different people from different walks of life. And that's what it followed. I mean, some people who were practically living inside that virtual world where their social anxiety and such wasn't the obstacle anymore and they could interact with people. And then others who just did it as something while they were drinking <laughs> and, and all of that. And it just, it really captured the sort of idea of they're really, they, all these different people who are in a guild together, working together in a game, and they have these vastly different personalities, but they start to get to know each other in the real world as well. And it just, it did, a, I think it did a lot for gaming and a lot for gamers to kind of get this notion out there about how different they all are, that it isn't all just yeah. stereotyped. Right. And, but how games can be a unifying force. And that's something that drives a lot of people in video games. It's something I really like about video games is the idea that all of us with different walks of life can use games as a way to have a commonality. And it's a piece I'd like to see more in pinball as well. It's easier with video games because the uh, threshold, the dollar threshold's lower. Yeah, but it is. But anyway, so Felicia, yeah, big, big time. I wish she'd do more, but she's too busy having babies. So we just got to oh, live with it. <laughs> Dang childbirth. Oh, those babies. <laughs> I, I bet she didn't even study as hard as you did for, the chi- for that childbirth. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. No, I should have probably studied a little bit more for the babies section. <laughs> nah. It was like a brick just, to the face. Just, get, anyway. just give them some food. Eventually you, get, eventually, you figure out you can sleep more. Eventually, that happens. It just takes like a decade or two. Like, yeah. no problem. What's a decade yeah. or two between mother yeah. and daughter? Nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Oh, my 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 oldest is ten, almost eleven, and 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 it's wonderful now. I mean, once they get past, you know, like eight, it's it's wonderful. I hear once yeah. they hit like twelve, it goes downhill. So I think I'm in the sweet spot of perfection right now. At yeah, least you with should the enjoy it. Enjoy yeah, it. enjoy it while it lasts. She doesn't hate That's me true. yet. No. So, Mrs. Penn, let's go ahead and get your second womp. Okay, my second womp. So I wanted with this one to go with someone who was involved in video games, but kind of like you guys in a, in a bit of a different way. So this is actually a video game voice actress. Ah. And her whole career in, in voice acting for video games started because she fell in love with Metal Gear Solid when she was 12. And mm. she started a series of videos online with her brother and they were called hey ash what you playing and ashley birch is her name my second womp and um so she started doing these video videos and then because of them she started getting into video game acting so now she has done the voices for 32 different games different video games um in her career and she's played some seriously great people. So she's played Alloy in Horizon. She's been in Zero Dawn. And Chloe in Life is Strange. Okay. I played that. Dr. Pin played that one. And I have to actually say, some of them, I'm like, honey, that is so loud. Can you please put on your headphones? But the <laughs> Life is Strange, I actually thought was such a great game. I just thought it was really cool. So that one, I actually watched and listened to the whole thing. And um, she's just not only a gamer herself, but now being involved in the um, whole 
process by doing the voices. I just feel like that's like multitasking womp amazingness. So Ashley Birch is my second womp. Cool. Voice actress. Yeah, it's Very solid pick, choice. Yeah. 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 Though Life is Strange and uh, Horizon are both really good games. I haven't played Horizon, but I've only I've watched things. it play and I've seen some videos. Yeah, I want to play game. it. I've spoken about it in the past about my it's one of the big reasons I want a PlayStation. All right, Tony, you said you've got another developer for your second. I have a second developer. Related to Star Wars? Related to Star Wars. My second developer is Jade Raymond. Now, she started her career working for Sony back in the day on Little Things. But where she really started to get being known was in 2000, or she moved from Sony, I should say, to EA. But where you should, she really got known was after she moved to Ubisoft Montreal. And while at Ubisoft Montreal, she was doing less developing as in, I'm actually programming it. And she was more uh, the back end. She was doing directing and producing. Uh, she was a producer for a small game that has just a tiny little bit of popularity. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's called Assassin's Creed. Hmm. Yeah, I might have heard of that one. Maybe. What? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, guys. That yeah. one's just that just doesn't get around ever. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and she has stayed in uh the that more producing and executive producing uh segment. And that's what she's done. And she has been with she's worked on Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Bloodlines, Watch Dogs, uh all decently good sized games. Watch Dogs had some issues, but I mean, no, it was all right. It, it was, was all right. But she, at the same time, they also EA ha- or not EA Ubisoft had her start uh, as the managing director for Ubisoft Toronto. So she was in on the forming of one of Ubisoft's new uh, studios that they created as they started up several of their other smaller studios. That's super cool. But then. She took that, that, that experience. She left Ubisoft. She returned to EA and she formed Motive Studios for EA. She is the head, uh, of, uh, EA's Motive Studios, which is based in Montreal, uh, where, as before I mentioned, Kim Swift is now, uh, part of and, she is leading the entire group as they made the second Battlefront game and as they're working on more Star Wars games and as they're doing other side work for EA. So they're pulling together this entire core of a solid people with good reputations who've worked a lot. And I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff they're going to be putting out, hopefully. So you've got two Womps that are working together. It's like they're double working womp. together now. Womp Womp Baby. And, yeah. the game, and the game they're working on, well, it, 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 we'll make it even crazier. The game that's being worked on now, uh, the unannounced one, is basically what they took, what Visceral was working on under the control of Amy Hennig. Mm. When they closed Visceral Womp down, training. Yeah. they yes. moved uh, that title over. And it's now part of motive, what Motive is working on. Oh, okay. And motive and I want to say... Yay, Vancouver. Hmm. One one of those. Right. Yay, Can- Canada Studios. Okay. So that's my number two. She's it's awesome. a good pick. Yeah. 
Well, I guess I'll wrap, I'll wrap it up with my number two. Is this the one I, is this, this is the, the one, one you I stole, stole from me? Oh, okay. Well, this was the first, literally as soon as this concept w- was given to me, this one was the very first one to pop into my head. Okay. Well, this makes this one, that makes sense to me because Tony and I both watch the Overwatch League, which is an e- an esport where they play Overwatch, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Uh, and that is, there's only one option, in fact, for a Womp in Overwatch, in my view, and that is Gregory. Yeah. Uh, her actual name is Kim Se-young, but, uh, she plays under the handle Gregory, and that's what they use in the esports side, so I'll just keep calling her that. Uh, she's a South Korean professional gamer. The reason why she's noteworthy as a Womp is she is the first and only woman who is in the Overwatch League as a player. Wow. She was also the first woman to be signed to an Overwatch Apex team, and Apex kind of preceded the Overwatch League. So she she's been trailblazing in that game, right? And and I mean, we've talked about. I'm sure Ms. Ben hasn't doesn't really know as much about Overwatch. Overwatch has become much larger than you would think. They just announced a deal with ESPN and Disney and ABC that they are actually airing the grand finals and season two is going to be on ESPN two and it's going to be on Disney XD and they're actually airing it on primetime television. Oh yeah. That's no, crazy. Blizzard so. entertainment, which made the game has cultivated the overwatch league hardcore. They're doing it like the NFL style cities have teams and all of that. Yeah. Uh, and so we just, the, the first season's uh, finals are going on now. Yeah. Or, or yeah. I think actually five minutes ago, they just, yeah, they start, out. they just started yeah. the, yeah, in the so, playoffs for the finals. Uh, anyway, as an overwatch fan, I've seen a number of games with Gregory playing and I, I mean, she is an incredible player to watch just fundamentally her ability, she primarily plays what is known as a tank role. So her responsibilities, because this is a team game, is she needs to create space for her team. And she also has to protect her back line against attack from the opposing team that they play these games against. But what she was known for and is known for is on her skill set, it's precision mouse movement. And there's a really good story that demonstrates just how true this is for her. And that is back in June 2016, this game was out. Gregory was caught up in a cheating controversy. So there was a, yeah, there was an official tournament in South Korea and some people were watching the, the footage of it after the fact and, and accused her of using a device known as an aimbot. And that's software that automatically aims for you. It's a huge no, no in even casual play They're They're against all terms of service. So, and the reason was that they were analyzing how she was aiming and they said that it, she was, her accuracy was too good. A human being could not achieve those levels of accuracy. That was the accusation. And that accusation spread. So then some of the members of the team, her team beat formally accused her of cheating against them and using that aimbot. And two of them said that if she were to be exonerated, they would, they would go so far as to quit playing Overwatch. They wouldn't play professionally anymore. Wow. So Gregory went to a Korean esports studio where they monitored her and she played live stream in front of everyone and proved that she did not need an aimbot. She is that good. And those two opponents did quit. They permanently quit wow. playing Overwatch. They kept their word and their entire team disbanded for false in the wake of losing those players and falsely accusing her of being a cheater. And in addition, Blizzard's South, uh, South Korean branch also confirmed from the analytics on their end that she does not use cheat software. She's just that good. That's crazy. 
the what happens now is when she joined the Overwatch League, she plays for a, a team out of sh- called the Shanghai Dragons. So they represent uh, Shanghai and China. They're the only Chinese city currently in the league. It is unfortunately the worst team in the Overwatch League. They lost yeah. all forty of their first season games. She was not on the team at first. They brought her in. It took quite a while because there were a lot of visa issues. Half the team now is South Korean, actually, uh, whereas originally they were all Chinese nationals. And it's it's sad in a way because she is so good and they have one other player who's really good and the rest of the team, quite frankly, sucks. Yeah. But <laughs> they, they do. They're just they're truly. No, she would she would sol- she would be a solid starter on oh, yeah. like may pretty much every other team in the league. So she's and she's going to be she's on the all star team. So we're, we'll get to see her uh, as the as that moves with actual team. good support with. Yeah, with actual. Yeah, that's the main thing. They don't have good. Support well, there's players. no place to go but up for her and her team, though, in Shanghai. I mean, maybe they'll learn some some good things from her there and she'll be the trailblazer. And part of the reason I wanted to, to wampify her on this isn't just that she's a really, really good gamer, but. Her attitude is really, really positive. Yeah. It's, it's been so interesting. She's, she's incredibly shy. Uh, she's, she's very active in social media and you can see, I mean, she's full of self doubt and she always is advertising it basically saying, I'm not sure I'm doing this right. I'm really nervous. She'll say, I'm really nervous. I'm terrified to get out here and do this. Uh, and she's won the crowd because of that. Yeah. Because, and in a way, I almost feel like she has to be twice as good. Uh, that she's under a microscope because she's the only woman, and so right. and she she's is, just, and she's just so much better than so many of them. Yeah, and so for me, it's, it's a, a little sad because be. well, because she deserves to be on a good team because she's yeah. so much better than so many of them, and she proves it every single time she goes out there with that group of losers that she's stuck with. Right, but anyway. She stay, continue to stay positive. I think she's going to go on and, and either Shanghai is going to rebuild and become great or, or a good team is going to say, we need a better tank. We're and, bringing her over. Right. And what I like is that she's, I'm hopeful that with esports, there's no reason that it has to be split, split via sexes. There's no reason there can't be more female no, players. No. So I full on look forward to and hope for the day where we get more female players yeah. in. It shouldn't be that. Yes, she is just that good, but she shouldn't be alone. No, right? No. So she's a trailblazer. Intimidating though to start something like that, and you know, I that's why I feel like I give these womps in pinball and PlayStation and gaming in general so much credit because it is so intimidating to go in and be the only one that is female. I mean, it's it's a very very scary thing to do. So I think, I don't know. That's why I think these women are even more amazing. Yeah. So those are our wants. I love it. it. Thanks guys. Yeah. No, that was fun. It was. We're at the end of the show. I do want to say though, for any listeners that for some reason have not listened to Mrs. Penn's pinball podcast, I do have a link in the show notes to it. So they'll be able to go to podcast garden and check your show out. It's a lot of fun. It's, it gets to be far more profane than Tony and I are willing to be because Tony really <laughs> Sorry, insists guys. that we stay clean. No, there it's been it's been a lot of fun. I love listening to it. I like uh, podcasts that are different. So everyone doing something a little bit different is is what makes it so interesting. And yeah. even head to head and slam tilt, which everyone says are have you know, are identical in format structure because they kind of are. They have their own personalities to them right. and how they, they do. do it. So they're vastly different listening experiences, in my view. I think so, too. Anyway, 
Uh, Mrs. Well, Pan, I, I want to bid you adieu. I think that means so goodbye, but I don't speak guys. French. This was so fun. Yeah. So good chatting with you. Yes. Well, thank you for being with us. And I know if you're ever out in Pennsylvania, you've got to come over and play. We'll have to have like a little, we'll have a little party or something. I don't know. Yeah. Throw yep. some shrimp on the bobby. Show, show me the secrets of Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't maybe, know any secrets. Maybe you'll of read Indiana. the rules. Yeah, maybe you'll read Dr. No. Penn's rule set by then. No, no, I know, right? Yeah. That depends. <laughs> Does Pennsylvania still have all the horrible roadworks? Last time I drove through Pennsylvania, I came up against a sign that said roadwork next 55 miles. And oh. it said the minimum speed limit was 45. And That's, we didn't go over 20. This was back in 2001. <laughs> well, that was yeah, the last time I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I went to. That was I did, quite a while ago. the The road work on certain roads is totally acceptable, and on others, it's totally not. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that you <laughs> find that just a, about everywhere you a, go. But, what a uh, reference! He helped me move back when I finished my grad work at Syracuse, and so we drove through Pennsylvania on the way back. Get out of town! I love Syracuse. I was raised in Syracuse. Mm, yeah, I went. I got my uh, master's in public administration from there. From Maxwell That's School. That's crazy. Yeah. So. Which let him cheat that one year when the Final Four came up to find out who was the best because it was Syracuse versus KU. Yeah. So you uh, won no matter what. KU was my undergrad, so yeah. <laughs> there you well, go. Anyway. Uh, well, Freaking listeners, winners. we're going to – we'll be back in two weeks. But if you want to reach out to us, you can always email eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or social media, facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're also available on Instagram and Twitter as eclectic underscore gamers. I actually have posted to the Instagram like two hours ago when we started recording. Oh, I haven't checked yet. And uh, I'm trying to work on that more. And I noticed that my camera on my phone's apparently not doing so good. But hey, it's a little Windex. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I need to clean it. And and check out Mrs. Penn when you guys get done with this podcast, if you haven't already. Until until two weeks from now. Yeah, thank you. And uh, goodbye, everyone. See ya. Bye.